Have you subscribed to the OTB Football Podcast? Like it's baffling, like absolutely baffling because it doesn't make them look good, doesn't make David Moyes look good, doesn't make the owners look good, doesn't make the Premier League look good. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. OTB AM With Gillette, put your best face forward with our new and improved razors. Half past seven, Friday morning, very good morning to you, wherever it is you're at. It's OTBAM, delighted to have you along with us. Owen, how are you keeping? Good, Adrian. What's the crack? All good. Brace for the storm. The storm is happening. There's yeah. no, no power down in Kerry at the moment. All right. So I can bring that information exclusively to, to air this morning. Jerry Fleming, live to Jerry Fleming there. Um, right. And the last sort of 24 hours or? Uh, no, I think mostly just overnight and this right. morning it's a... Uh, Threat uh, weather warning from middle of the night to what eight, nine, ten, eleven sort of direction. So more as we get it, folks. All right, it's got tough, uh, tough going, and it is supposed to be pretty brutal as well. Uh, feeling sore, and I'm not going to lie to you. My latest sort of exercise oh, yeah. update is I've started to do a core exercise class. Oh, nice! So what does that involve? Well, it involves me turning up late to the class, and you know, wandering in the middle of this really loud music, and an instructor with about ten extremely fit people in the room, and then this fat middle-aged man wandering in, going for the very first time, going, "What am I? I, I wasn't sure what I went into the room. Has, has the class has begun? Was this the previous one that I've?" Coming late to, are we really inappropriate? Um, or, yeah, so what should I do? And the guy was like, sort of looking around, going, Whoa, there's what, another one of these Egypts has wandered into the room. And he was like, yeah, no, go over there, get yourself a mat, get a band over there, and get some weights there. So I'm sort of feeling it this morning, but good pain. What, what sort of hurling pain? Like, I mean, the, the washboard is, is hurting you this morning, basically, is it? A little bit of the washboard, a little bit everywhere, yeah. yeah. There was that thing of, I don't know if you've ever done those classes online or in person where they'll be going, no, you should be feeling that there in the hamstrings. And I'm like, I mean, I'm, I'm getting it in the hips. Yeah, <laughs> I have yeah. a bit in the back. Hamstrings, not so much, but. I mean, to, to maintain an eight pack, I mean, you've got to put yourself through such lengths, I suspect. What, what, what was the toughest exercise that you did? One pack at the minute. There was a really good one that was the, um, you had to, so you'd stood, you stand on the rubber band mm-hmm. and you draw the you have a one point uh, one and a quarter kg weight in your hand and the other end of the band and you draw it across yourself this way oh yeah and then you pull it out like um what do they call it an axe sort of an axe yeah <laughs> whatever that exactly. one is and you do that repeatedly and then they step it up the music picks up a bit and everybody starts going a bit bonkers nice so, okay um, but it was good yeah, it was like good that, that sort of nice pain not the like I'm hobbling around and I'm, I'm not sure I'll be able to get out of my seat pain from the hurling so okay so what happened to the hurling this week then I just uh, I'd like I was saying to you last week it'll be a once every probably a once every two week things okay. for various reasons but um, so, so this was core week hurling week core next week. week leg week leg, leg week leg week leg, week. leg, leg week probably more appropriate um, nice. so yeah I'm feeling the pen this morning we've uh, an unbelievable show lined up here today we'll get to that in a few minutes interested by the Roy King quotes he was on the overlap live which I didn't realise was a thing that they were doing in Manchester last night and obviously uh, topic of the day was why he turned down the Sunderland gig uh, and it's reported here in the Daily Mail this morning that uh, he joked about it to begin with and said that as usual it comes down to money which was not really the real reason I'd get into it after that and he said basically it wasn't the right fit uh, everything has to be right the right challenge the right contract you have to fancy it if you don't get another chance uh, if I don't get another chance, it's no big deal. You need a bit of luck. The right club has to give you the call. And that hasn't happened. It's no big deal. That, for me, is a big shift from Roy Keane in that, like, previously he was like, I really do want to get back into football management at some point. That sort of feels like he's the desire of a club to desire him has almost sated his appetite. Yeah, he's he's almost like the the middle-aged bachelor who has kind of become content with the idea that they won't find a partner. That's mm. the, the stage that we're seeing him now in his career. There's, there's not a lot of 
fury behind those quotes, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. There's a resignation to it, and it did feel that there was a greater chance for Sunderland to be the one for Roy Keane, given that there was a previous relationship there, and it just didn't work out. I guess he's a different man to the man that previously managed. Mm. Uh, he is different to, to the man that Sunderland would have had, a, a different man to the one that, that Ipswich would have had. Obviously, he goes back into management, maybe the old Roy Keane comes out, but maybe there is a softer, less furious version of Roy Keane that's in existence at the moment. Not an extension of your analogy, but like the right fit is a bit of a ludicrous notion in so many ways that it's got to be like the, the it's such an excuse right and like ultimately you could make that I think every manager who's ever taken a job could make that case it's so rare that you get a manager going we were so closely aligned with each other's values and that are like it, frequently those are two things that never really quite align I think it's if he's waiting for that he's probably never going to get a job would be my view there is a huge mercenary nature to football management and it's not just on the manager side it's also on the club side who change their philosophy every whatever way the wind is blowing given how results are going and, and whoever has come in and had a, a, a fair degree of success like does does Alex Neil and his uh, philosophy does that more closely align with the Sunderland way maybe it does I'm, I'm not sure but uh, perhaps Roy Keane is, is kind of like taking this a little bit too personally if, if, if there are sort of like go in, get a, go in do the job do the best you can do and then like we were saying the other week last a year or 18 months whatever it is you're going to get out of it either way and then move on with life yeah like I think so I think that's the nature of the vast majority of football management jobs at the moment isn't it and like Sunderland would have probably loftier ambitions than a lot of teams around the same area of the football league and that will necessarily lead to a bit of disappointment and more pain over the next little while who knows, maybe Neil does does do a brilliant job in the short term and all of a sudden, in a couple of seasons, they're they're pushing for promotion to the Premier League again. But I think right now, I think there's there had to have been an acceptance that there is the odds are stacked against you. Yeah, I hope it's not the end of him. I hope he does get back into it at some point. Um, as I was saying last week, I do think that it's something that it's an itch that he's going to have to scratch at some point or another. And like ultimately, nobody cares about Alex Neil. Nobody really cares that much about Sunderland. <laughs> it was the Roy Keane show. That was why we were all into it. So um, that's a bit harsh. We'll see what the next uh, turns on that will be. Uh, 7.35 Friday morning. You're welcome along to the show. If you've just joined us, uh, do keep your comments coming into us over the course of the morning. Here's what's coming up for you. Ronan Agara standing by uh, live on the line. And we'll get his thoughts, obviously, consider thoughts of the start of France last week. Vinny Perth going to join us in studio it's uh, night one of the new League of Ireland season so plenty to talk to Vinny about there the runners and riders and plenty more beyond as well Ireland continue their uh, warm up for the Sweden game in April with this uh, tournament in La Manga Amber Barrett Ireland striker is going to join us on the line at half past eight this morning GA quick picks uh, the first of this morning's two shamble items will be coming your way at half past eight Hugo Keenan it's I think the first time we've ever spoken to the Ireland fullback and um, we'll be um, self and own chatting to him at 10 to 9 this morning and plenty to talk to him about France obviously as well live crappy quiz second Chabalic item coming your way at 10 past 9 this morning and then Dan and Stewie who were in studio with Nathan last night uh, looking ahead to that new League of Ireland season will be coming your way at half past 9 this morning you are watching OTBAM we're brought to you by Gillette good morning start with Gillette put your best face forward with their new and improved razors it is uh, almost 20 to 8 on this Friday morning and delighted to say Ronan Agari good morning to you Hi, Adrian. How are you? How are you I can't keeping? see, but I can hear you. I think okay. Owen is with busy. He is. Yeah. How are you, yeah, Owen? We're both here. Yeah. And you never know. the same. Never the same when you can't read the body language. But well, I'm you're, okay. you're normally known for your tech, your technical expertise, Roland. So I'm uh, <laughs> surprised. Yeah, but I I know when you're 
uh, pushing me towards a certain <laughs> subject, I can potentially uh, push you the other way. You know? nothing, but, um, nothing potential about it. Yeah, exactly. Kamara, uh, obviously you've had a few days to digest uh, events in Paris now at this point. Are, are the French sur la lune over there still? Uh, no, I don't think so. I, I think... Um, you know, in fairness to them, they probably put a big, big focus on Ireland, but we're Friday before the um, next um, next game. So, uh, you know, like Greg Aldred, Winnie Antonio, they've been in getting uh, physio and doing fitness sessions and kind of moving on. That's what I suppose top players do. It's on to, you know what I mean? The Ireland is over. It's on to the next one. And uh, I'm sure the coaching ticket will be... Uh, reviewing, previewing a little bit more um, than the players but the players that are in La Rochelle are, um, are kind of moving on and I think they, they realise um, France in Scotland is a tricky fixture especially the way I think we all agree that you don't really know exactly what you get from Scotland they, they're beating them at home and then they they go to Wales with, with confidence and, and they perform like that Mm. I, like I think there was a sense during the week that uh, on this side anyway that like the right team won albeit that a couple of bits had gone away maybe we we could have got out of there uh, with a win when you were walking out of the stadium on Saturday what was your main thought about what were you discussing about if uh, we won't beat France until or was there one thing that kind of yeah I think uh, upon reflection and obviously with the passing of days I think your thoughts become more crystallised I suppose I would be hesitant to put the game in the in the classic context just for one reason, because in classic game, the lead ebbs and flows. France controls the scoreboard from minute zero to Asian, i.e. The, 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 the lead never changed. For me, that would equate to a classic contest, but it's very rare at this level between, I suppose, two very good teams that you have one, I suppose, dominant... Um, Force and the fact that France just set the pace, they kept the pace, and it's hard to really know uh, how how much France have left just on that basis alone. If you understand me, mm. Joey Carberry, and you're right, you're right about him in your examiner column this morning. He's been obviously a big uh, talking point uh, post match as well. Uh, what? Um, the analysis of him obviously comes with the shadow of the other lad but just maybe first of all to kick it off a bit of a conversation about him what was the thing that impressed you most about him? Um, I thought his I thought his calmness and his poise and his his uh, mental discipline not to force things like chip kicks little grubbers throw stick into task you, you, I think you it's very hard for for experienced players uh, Adrian, to, you know, you can see the try after 80 seconds. Like you, the pl- the plan kind of changes, but it, it it doesn't if you stick to what you agree to. But like with the f- start France got, all of a sudden you're thrown out of kilter. If you're a, a an inexperienced ten at test level and you're in the start of France, uh, that's a, that's not a great starting point. But for him. Uh, to see his team go another 10 points down and then I suppose his capacity to believe that uh, how he was managing the game was the right thing and then you saw Ireland when they had their purple patch they scored two unanswered tries um, you mean that I think that's testament to probably the game management of Carberry mm. 
what he was on with the lads during the week and he's like his personality and look at it again it's it's very difficult to discuss Joey Carberry and I'm sure it's actually frustrating for him without mentioning Johnny Sexton and they are very different personalities like Sexton um, I was going to say he was a bit he's almost a bit like yourself in terms of his assuredness around the pitch Carberry seems like from a personality point of view he's a very different person yeah but they're at very different ends of the scale too and the fact one is probably you know what I mean starting off his 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 journey as a, as a test out half uh, it was a great great start at the weekend from I think that will be his reference points when he does uh, come up come across loss of form and, and and challenges to know that he can do that with such I suppose little game time in his brain and in his legs but like Johnny's at the opposite end Johnny is, has very little to prove if I, if uh, you know he's he's a proven winner and uh, he does exactly what it says on the tin but I think it would be a big error you don't want them to be similar you want mm. you want them to um, have you know have different personalities but they will always be different because of the age gap between them and also because of the fact that um, Johnny has achieved so much in the game that I think um, you know, Joe will probably go to another level altogether when Johnny isn't in the squad. Yeah, like the difficulty for him at that point might be that he, I, I'd have to look up now, but that he must be, he'll be 27, probably close enough to it after the World Cup. Like on the, on the personality aspect of it, like... Yeah, I'm, but the World Cup is still 18, 18 months away. That's so long in sport yeah. too, you know? He's 27, but that means he's, what, he's 25 now, you know? Yeah. So you, you, you have to put building blocks in place. You can't just expect Joy to kind of, OK, he's done that game against France, and now he's back in whatever, on the bench or playing for Munster and then we roll him out for the World Cup. Like, you don't know where his ceiling is. He, I think in that position, especially at that age, the upside to him is huge. You've you got to roll him out, you've got to roll him out and you got to keep you got to keep playing him. You know what I mean? Then, you mean, in Johnny's head, that doesn't work and rightly so because he's a competitor because two into one doesn't, doesn't go. But that's where managing your players come into it and and I think that's very, very important. But up to probably Saturday, uh, there was a big uh, difference between the calibre of Johnny's performances and the rest of the of the I would say the other pretenders looking to, um, I suppose, lay claim to that jersey. I think what we established after Saturday is the fact that, that uh, this level, the test level, top level games away in France, in New Zealand, does not phase Joey Carberry. Athletic-wise, we know he is very, very good. Uh, I suppose the biggest probably challenge I from the outside looking was, uh, is his kicking game good enough for the Northern Hemisphere? Because we play on wet pitches for seven, eight months of the year. That's the reality. While down south, you play on dry pitches for nearly, well, six months of the year. And, and you can see that, you mean, Joey's ball skills are really, really good. His kicking game needs continuous work to be a top test player. Uh, was his goal kicking top-notch at the weekend? Yes, it was. Was his line kicking from penalties top-notch? It was. Um, uh, game management, did he turn to French? Uh, high balls, Hugo Keenan got on to win the one of them. So tactically, I think uh, that was very good. But I think, um, uh, I keep going back, I think, to the try he created for Keith Earls in Murrayfield. His capacity on the ball is freakish and the fact that um, he went through two Scottish fours, I think put the two of them on their backside, accelerated, changed the ball from left to right, 
uh, went on a kind of a slalom run and then whipped out a delicious pass to Earls to score. That's 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 Dan Carter-esque in the fact that uh, his running game, but I think um, what needs to be established before that is just his basics, just continuous work needed on his basics. Like like what? If you were sitting down with him Monday morning, what are you saying to him? I think uh, staying square at the line, uh, catch pass, and uh, getting a second touch and attack, and then I just think his his kicking game and his capacity to probably manipulate the fences is always ongoing, but you have to probably give him huge uh, credit for the fact that to be able to do that with such little rugby uh, is a huge accomplishment. You're saying there, Ronan, are you to keep throwing him into the starting team? Yeah, I think you have to. I, 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 I firmly believe that. I think that you just... Uh, you, you, you've got to see now how he backs up his performance. You know, the the more you play in the ten in the ten uh, jersey, the better you get. You know, ideally you're playing three or four games. You know what I mean? But then there's that's that, that's what's best for Joy Carberry. I'm not talking about what's best for the team here because you mean on form Johnny's a better ten than him. But uh, you mean in the ruthlessness of professional sport that could change if Johnny or if Joey got six or seven tests in a row with the age profile with the World Cup with the end goal if you're playing a final tomorrow Johnny Sexton starts that's that's for me non-negotiable Where then do do Ireland I guess make their big leap if they're looking for one between now and next year because if you're looking at that French team and I guess the age of the French team you can definitely point to ways in which they're going to get better between now and the World Cup in home, at home for, for France. Where do you identify those areas for Ireland? Um, so that's a good question. I, I, I think uh, you're looking for minimal gains in a, in a number of areas. At the top level on, it's, it comes down to fine margins and I'm, you're used to hearing that in, the, in every sport. From a rugby uh, point of view, I think... You look at how France started that game and to go 10-0 up is just uh, a huge, huge advantage. I think um, what what people probably neglect on the outside is the progress, I suppose, the Irish Falls have made with ball in hand. I think that has been startling for me in, 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 a, in, a, in a short period of time. Just It was a joy to watch, I suppose, Ty Furlong take on the the defensive line at the weekend and play little chips to his forwards or out the back to or out the back to to a back who was engaged in that pod. So I think for what we're seeing since November is that uh Ireland with the ball are very, very uh dangerous. I, I still think there's probably room to grow in an attacking kicking game. identifying have they won in the backfield. If there's one in the backfield and you're going against 13 in the front line, I think um, you can probably get um, reward from attacking kicks. That, that I think that will happen when... Um, you mean when you can't expect that from, from someone like Joey Carby in his first game in Paris? And you just be kind of hopeful that he is scanning to see if the space is there. I think it's one thing recognising space and not executing, but it's a different issue altogether if you're not recognising where the space is. Um, 
I think um, probably um, France on a roll. I think um, it, it could have ended uh, 37 points on, unless for the uh, heroics of um, Dan Sheehan at the end of the game. However, he managed to get a hand under um, Jaminet was, was an incredible bit of, I suppose, athleticism or bravery or whatever the word is for that. But that, I think, uh, you mean, the further you go in competitions, the more um, defence wins championships. So, going into the deep stages of, of a World Cup, you cannot concede 30, 37 points. That's that's something I think that they'll look to get a lot more stingy on. So for the, for the England, Welsh and uh, Scottish game, sorry, the Italian, uh, Scottish and uh, English game, there'll be a big focus on points conceded but that's not the language they'll use they look they'll use to kind of control the ball and if controlling possession means that you've more chance obviously uh, of you enforcing your game plan on the opposition which hence means they have less time with the ball but then sometimes those um, statistics are blown out of the water that some teams with deadly counter-attack can, can score you mean tries in 10 seconds but generally that is the plan I think going forward is there any debate, Ronan, about the uh, scrum half position now, or who's who's starting there? Is that sort of? I'm sure Conor Murray won't think this way, but is that kind of done and dusted now, or is there still no, a live no, conversation to be, be had? That would be the biggest mistake I think you'd make about this team because I think you look at the outside in, and what is evident is um, competition for places. The debate uh, in the short term, i.e., the next two games. Is not uh, is not evident, but in any position with the Irish team with the strength and depth, I suppose the um, the questioning point or the re-questioning are when does it come up for debate? You have a leverage of two games. That's probably the reality of of what is happening in modern sport. Credit in the bank. Uh, big game players. There are one or two exceptions in, in each and every team, but. In general, 20 of probably 23 players, you have to keep producing. You have to keep producing. Look how much of a lift, I suppose, um, Robbie Henshaw gives his team when, he, when, when they see Henshaw for Aki. Beautiful. Mm. It's not that Aki didn't have a good have a good day. He was probably a little bit uh, less quiet than you, or, or less uh, probably busy than usual. Uh, but Aki for Henshaw has to become become the norm. That's that's the strength we have. Henderson coming in. That's I think that's where the game is going because in my time it was definitely the strongest fifteen starting. We've said on this uh, station loads of times that a lot of coaches look to finish with their strongest team. Uh, but competition for places, especially. Um, like getting into the Irish 23 should be extremely, extremely difficult. And I think we saw for the French game with, uh, you know, guys like Coombs and um, uh, Lowry and Hume and not making the 23. You have to have that. If, if there's, who's going to be my last back for the bench, you're, it's not a good uh, template. Ronald, there's a, a couple of other things I just wanted to ask you about. If we kind of like move away from 
last week's game against France for a bit. It's been a fairly busy couple of days on the news agenda for rugby in general because I'm sure you'll have seen this idea of a World Nations Championship in the offing. It's not entirely divorced from the potential movement of South Africa granted not for a few years now. They've committed to 2025 to the Rugby Championship but if if, if they were to, to move to the Six Nations or have a greater attachment to Northern Hemisphere Rugby it, it, it probably adds more question marks about this World Nations Championship that, that could be coming down the line basically uh, a more trophy based run through the summer and through the autumn internationals which would allow for the teams going down to the southern hemisphere to move between different countries as opposed to doing three test tours in one country when this came up a couple of years ago Owen Farrell uh, brought up player welfare saying that this would this is a, a real concern for players that, that, that this thing would be happening because it's extra games and an already packed calendar from a, a former playing standpoint and from a current coaching standpoint when you see stories like this emerge are you a little bit worried as well or are you thinking great this will be good for the game yeah, I, I I wouldn't be worried at all. I think you just have to ask um, what opportunities are coming from this and who benefits from this. Is it is it um, is it a really well thought out plan or is it a plan on a whim? You know, I think that's very very important because what I think what people uh, in the in whatever game you're involved in, I think. Th- there has to be an appreciation for history. The Six Nations Championship is a fantastic tournament and it's very, uh, you want to have a very, very good reason to manipulate, to change or to to alter the format of that because I think one of the values of rugby is respect and, and in terms of respecting the Six Nations, I think there can be proposals for relegation for, for Italy, Georgia, Portugal, Spain, whoever wants to come in and try and grow their game. Uh, but you have a fantastic competition with there. Would it be better with um, South Africa? I think from a rugby point of view, you'd have to say it would be uh, same if you were having Australia and, and and New Zealand to the competition. But that isn't a Six Nations competition. It's, it's a new competition. So I think there's endless possibilities uh, about which way you can alter this? Do you you mean do you have the four nation championship and the top two playoff against the winners of the six nations? It, it's uh, it becomes mouthwatering the prospects that can happen. Uh, I suppose what gets lost in a lot of this is that who the players belong to. Do the players belong to the nations? Mm-hmm. Are we going to go down the route where you mean it's it's club Ireland and? there becomes an international game and below that there becomes a club game or are you still going to have uh, a place in the rugby calendar for for the, the, the bouclier, the premiership with hundreds of years of history with the Six Nations competition? I think um, there is probably potential to, to explore this and there is I think an appetite for for a world championship, be that a club level or test level, uh, probably both are appealing. But I think um, what's important here is that uh, it's very, very well thought out and and it adds to the calendar as opposed to creates a headache for the calendar. And just finally, Claremont, uh, tomorrow night at home, it's yourself, Stad and Claremont, sort of tightly bunched trying to pierce into that uh, top six are you um, table watching just yet or fixture watch- watching yeah yeah yeah. well exactly it's you have to be realistic and conscious of where you are in the standing so you, I'm uh, aware that so we've had uh, 
a difficult patch the last number of weeks um, for a number of reasons, but it's it's time to find solutions. So we're hoping that will start tomorrow night. It'll be a, a very tough game with uh, a lot of new guys called into French camp, distractions with that, a few injuries, but they're, they're excuses. Uh, we've got a good panel. Um, we're at home, so we're looking forward to it. All right, good stuff, Ronan. Thanks a million. Cheers, lads. See you on. Thanks a lot, Ronan Nagar, on the line there from uh, La Rochelle, and uh, lots of interesting thoughts, obviously, on the uh, reaction to Ireland-France last weekend, and we're going to have, uh, coming up a little bit later on, we're going to be talking to the Ireland international, Hugo Keenan, to get his own thoughts on exactly uh, how that game went for him and his review of it afterwards as well. It's uh, 7.58, it's Friday morning, you're watching OTPAM, we're delighted to have you along uh, with us, plenty of comments coming in, and do keep uh, keep them fired into us over the course of the morning, we'll put them to our guests, and indeed read them out as we work through the morning. Uh, pack show still to come right here. We're going to hear from Amber Barrett, who's with the Republic of Ireland team in the Manga, as they prepare to uh, continue their interest um, uh, there in that mini-tournament ahead of the uh, World Cup qualifier against Sweden, obviously, uh, in April. Crappy quiz, live crappy quiz this morning. GEA picks as well, but up next, Vinnie Perth in studio ahead of the 2022 League of Ireland season. OTB. Your favourite stadium to play in and why? Favourite stadium that I've probably played in was probably the Emirates last or two years ago. We were in the Europa League group stage and uh, unbelievable ground, yeah, fantastic. Um, I'm going to have to say the UCD Ball. Um, it's our home ground at UCD and uh, it's a lovely surface to play on. Anfield, yeah. I, when I played a couple of reserve games there, they were built, so couldn't really get much better than that, in fairness. I was and even look again, even in, in reserve games, it was. They always had a good crowd, so yeah, but the, the playing surface now was, was far uh, better than anything else I'd ever been on. played in many uh, amazing stadiums, but I've never played in Anfield. I've been there numerous times watching Liverpool, uh, so it's a stadium that I would love, love, love a chance to play there. Um, and obviously in front of the best fans in the world as well. Uh, a special occasion for me was an opportunity when I went to go and play in Spain uh, with a team called Santander, and I'd only signed for them a couple of weeks before the season started. And lo and behold, our first game was away to Barcelona. So we played in the new camp. Gary Lineker and Mark Hughes were playing for Barcelona. So it was a big occasion at the time, I remember. Probably when we played with, uh, played with St. Pat's, we played out in Leisure Warsaw, out in Poland. Um, let's say the ultras weren't very nice. Um, but the atmosphere was unreal. So uh, it's probably, probably, not, probably the best stadium I've played in, especially for atmosphere as well. Saudi Aviva, uh, I've only played there once, but obviously grew up going there to watch Ireland play the cup finals on there, which is obviously where we want to get to. So... Um yeah, that's Ashley O'Reilly out and about uh, getting the views of uh, plenty of the League of Ireland players and coaches ahead of the start of the new season. Vinnie Parts is in studio with us. Good morning to you, Vinnie. Good morning. How are we doing? Lovely to be able to actually see you in studio this morning. It's a real sign that uh, things are getting back to normal as opposed to looking down the lens. Yeah, that's a good sign. Are you? Uh, how are you feeling about the return? There's a great bit of excitement about it. I wonder, from your own point of view, are you like excited, but also like, ugh, I really wish I was involved. Yeah, this is. Um, I've had close on twenty years. It's it's funny. Stephen Kenny's first ever League of Ireland game was mine. I think it was we were working it out the other day. It was back in '98, so I've sort of more or less been involved every year since. Last year was different, and it was a COVID year as well. So this is the first time it feels, yeah, home in the evenings. Going, what am I doing? Mm. What am I doing with my life? Mm. So um, 
I was power washing the garden during the week just just to try and keep myself busy at this time of the year. Strange, so yeah, it is strange, but um, looking forward to it as well. At the same time, it's good to see there's there's definitely new interest come into the league. I think in the last couple of years, and I think that's that's great to see. It, it definitely felt that that interest was bubbling up nicely right before the pandemic hit. Uh, like de- definitely more kind of people who would be casual viewers being compelled to go to games. There was definitely a, a movement it felt, which was very match going based therefore it kind of did fizzle out once the, the pandemic did hit so you'd like to think that that'll come back nicely over the next couple of months yeah and I suppose there's a couple of reasons for that we go back to probably the last big game before the Covid hit I think it was Dundalk and uh, Rovers and it was close on 8,000 at the game uh, it was an amazing game you know you had Jordan Flores goal you had Jack Bourne's brilliant winner um, I'm still hurt over that game a couple of years later so that shows you the type of the level that was there so um, and then um, because of the, the league doesn't get the coverage on the likes of the TV that other it can drift away for people and it becomes the norm not to go for a game on a Friday and a point after but thankfully uh, people have started to go back to the games and there's been a good interest in terms of a lot of ground sell out which isn't necessarily a good thing because some of the attendants aren't good enough but um, we've got to get that part right if we're going to progress the league in terms of, you look at Dalymount Park, in many ways the home of Irish football, it'll sell out every week for the season, but it won't be anything more than four, four and a half thousand, and that's, that's a real concern. What are you doing from your own point of view? Are you, what's the LinkedIn network for football managers trying to get back into the game? Are you, can you chat to people? Are you sending CVs out? How does all that work? Yeah, it, it is a little bit of that, but you've got to get on with your life as well. You, you know, football is, is very fickle and, and you've got to make hay when the sun shines. So I, I had an amazing close on 10 years. Um, yeah, I won't go on about it, but we have we've quite a, a few league titles and, you know, 40-odd European games and Europa Leagues and that so we, we I had a good time of it and sometimes you've got to come away from it uh, would I like to go back in absolutely yes but um, not that I'm looking for a job up there but for example I've, most weeks I've gone up to the north uh, to watch games or gone to the UK um, I was at Linfield and Larne about 10 days ago brilliant game of football in Windsor Park and stuff that keeps you busy mm. being out watching Leinster haven't got the cheese board like you <laughs> out yet but Jesus. just just keep yourself busy in that sense and watch sport and I think if you're interested in sport and coaching yeah. you follow different uh, different codes and, and it gives you a chance to have a look at them I'm going to the Dubs in Kildare um, when is the next week the week after so you just keep yourself busy in that sense Roy Keane was talking in the papers this morning about he was obviously closely linked and it seemed like was offered the Sunderland gig he was talking about like the right fit it's got to be the right fit and we were chatting about it earlier on like it seems if you're waiting for exactly the right fit you could be waiting a while yeah it, it, it's a wider discussion outside the League of Ireland any manager's job I think um, when, when it's a, you take someone like Graham Potter if that bus is coming along do you jump? Do you wait for the right opportunity? And then so many managers, we talk with the next England manager or the next Ireland manager or whatever, mm. and just stock goes down. You look at uh, the questions around Brendan Rodgers at the moment. So you've, sometimes you've got to jump when, when something comes available, albeit it has to be within certain parameters, uh, the right gig. So, yeah, like, uh, again, you, you look at clubs in Scotland, you would think that your CV would would stand up over there in at certain levels, and sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. So, and as I said, I'm quite comfortable if if the opportunity comes, it doesn't. That's the same for other managers here. We've a lot of young managers who would 
I would imagine, albeit they couldn't say it, their ambitions are, are bigger than just League of Ireland. I think they'd like to, to, to go forward or field. Is there something bubbling in Scotland? Is that no, no, there's, there's not. There's just like um, over the last couple of months, there's been a couple of gigs. You get an interview, it's great, and sometimes you don't even get a phone call back. But mm. I mean, that's the same in any business, any walk of life nowadays. Um, it's, it's just the way it is. Yeah. Alright, we'll watch that with in, uh, interest obviously as it unfolds over the next while in the cheese boards if you have any recommendations Vinny that's, uh, we're all open for that stuff uh, let's t- uh, take a clip Stewie was in with uh, Nathan and uh, Dan last night they were looking ahead and here was uh, Stewie Burns thoughts about obviously much fancy Chamber Grovers for the season ahead Is there a player that you think we should look out for in 2022? Include yourself now if you like um, In terms of our own squad I say um, Evan Weir, he's a young defender, attacking fullback. So yeah, I think he definitely want to look out for this year. Someone maybe on our team that not many people know about is Dara Keane. Um, he had a brilliant season last year, and hopefully he can hit the ground running going into next week. Um, there's a couple, I suppose, our own. James Clark has come on a lot in there, and uh, Andrade, um, uh, Evan Weir. Uh, we've a, we've a, a few young lads coming through, so hopefully they'll be catching a few headlines. Young Dara Barnes that play with ourselves. Um, he, he lit it up coming probably later in the year last year, so I think he's a player that could really excite fans this year again. Probably a few players that I'd rate very highly. There's quite a few have, have already left for different leagues across uh, Britain. Um, without putting too much pressure on them, I'll throw in my goalkeeper, Ed McGinty. I think Mark Bourne, Mark Bourne for us this or last year had a, had a good year, but I think he's going to kick on this year. So Mark Bourne, yeah. Jack Moyle on the shells. Uh, he was at Wexford last year. He's done really well for us, and he's probably one who's not particularly well known yet, but I think he will be in a year. That was Ashley O'Reilly out and about uh, over the last couple of days, uh, getting a bit of a sense check ahead of the start of the new season. Not Stewie Byrne, but he was in with Nathan and Dan last night. Basically, what he was saying, Vinny, was that uh, complacency was Shamrock Rovers' biggest obstacle this season, which can't be given much hope to the chasing pack if that's the biggest threat to them yeah it would be hard to disagree uh, with Stewie on that one I mean I think the biggest challenge and it's a challenge for the league is um, they're not really being pushed um, they haven't been pushed um, in terms of if you look at the last 10 years it was Dundalk and Cork it was Dundalk and Rovers um, you, you, you know you need someone to push you the challenge is who steps up to that and makes Shamrock Rovers better. I think Europe for them will certainly um, focus the squad. I think they'd be disappointed how Europe finished last year. Mm. Europe is such a big card for, for, for players. You know, you look at the, the quality in their squad and they'll all want to showcase them, say, themselves in, in European football. Um, it didn't go well for them last year. Ultimately, they went out quite easy. So that's the challenge. Um, I know they, they'll talk about just retaining the title, but I think it's more than that for Shamrock Rovers. And I think... Um, they w- that will be a huge concern and also um, the this year probably more than any when you look at the bench last year like Lopez uh, Barry Cotter Graham Bork Richie Tell Rory Gaffney uh, Chris McCann were all on the bench last week in the President's Cup final mm. and, and that's the challenge for the staff to keep all them players happy uh, there's no League Cup this year for argument's sake which is a strange decision so there's a lot of work to do with Shamrock Rovers just to stay where you are because as we all know it can it can change very quickly but you'd imagine Shamrock Rovers will win the league comfortably Right, uh, Jack Byrne obviously coming back has caused a fair bit of uh, interest as well he's 
is he 25 and he's like he's had such a run of clubs obviously some of them have been on loan what's your sense of what he can uh, do for Rovers this season? he's obviously impressed so much in the, in the couple of seasons he's been there previously but your sense of what he'll bring to the party for Rovers this season yeah obviously um, there's no doubt he was there thereabouts as the best player in the league um, on his de- he, he certainly played as if he was the best player in the league himself you look at Derry would have some talents as well which which would I would say could could be on par with Jack but Jar, Jack has the ability um, and, and what's great about him is we're starting to talk about players like Jack it's not Jack Bourne or Bourne at Rovers it's, you could, you could, mm. you could t- have a league of our discussion and talk about Jack mm. which is great so that tells you he's a star in himself I sort of live in around the Tala area the one concern I have is where's, where's the, the Jack Bourne billboard or the Richie Tells and these people I think we need to do that better but look to go back to him as a footballer I think he'll feel he's something to prove whether whether he made the right or wrong decision to go to to leave the league at the time, um, I think we'll, we'll find out. He, he's lost a lot of football, and he'll feel he's something mm-hmm. to prove again. And um, there's no doubt he'll have ambitions of getting back into the international squad, and he'll have to be brilliant to do that because I think the landscape around that has changed. So it's a challenge for him. Um, and uh, but but he's, there's no doubt um, when you go and watch him play, the, the people at Tala love him. Rovers fans love him, and he he's a star and he's something big about the league. And we we certainly have that in the league now. When you look at the likes of Damien Duff and other stories that are developing, I think there's a there's a real appetite now for the league. And, and people like Jack Bourne really add to that. You mentioned that game right before the pandemic between Rovers and Dundalk. How much will I guess not matching but journeying towards the fact that they might be able to be put in the same conversation as that Dundalk team over the next little while motivate Shamrock Rovers this season to begin with the three in a row first of all before doing whatever it was five and six yeah I, I would say um, it, it, it's so hard to talk about other league of one clubs because you're probably you're at the risk of um, um, someone saying something to me when I'm buying the shopping tomorrow night um, what I'll say is I think they've got to they've got to prove themselves in Europe um, right. To be to be up in that category of mm. that great Dundalk team or the great Shelbourne team, and I don't like comparing eras and um, even the great Rovers team that that got to the to the group stages in two thousand one was around ten around that time. I think they've got to do better in Europe. I think they they haven't done well enough in Europe. They know that themselves. They've certainly got a squad now that's capable of being really good in Europe. And um, I think this this side could capture the imagination of of the nation, to be honest with you, because of because of the stars of, of as I said, the, um, Jack Bourne and, and players of that quality. You've seen the story around Lopez um, throughout the off season. So Danny Mandrew, all these players can capture the imagination of the nation. And it's it's funny for people who who League of Ireland people were very unique in their own way we, we live in our own world and, and people look in from afar and, and they criticise and they, they like it and don't like it but from having experienced a European campaign it changes everything mm. everybody has a real interest in it um, you could be walking down the street in Dublin and w- w- in 2016 and people would stop you and discuss it in, in terms of the Europa League run etc so it's a huge thing I think we need it if we've to kick our domestic football on. We need our clubs really pushing towards Europe, but it's gone so hard. So for me, uh, that will be the key that for for this side to go to the next level. Mm. On paper, do they have that same level of talent? Yes, they do. Right. Absolutely, yeah, definitely do. They're, in, in, for player for player wise, you know, they're, they're as good as that Dundalk side in sixteen. They've just got to now prove on the pitch. To be fair to them. 
you look at like what the Norwegian champions were doing last night obviously in the Champions League and like it is the thing I think that the Conference the, League huh? the Conference League yeah. sorry did yeah. I say the Champions League yeah. it was very far from the Champions League um, but nevertheless like against a team that they were definitely not fancy to get, a, get anything out of it uh, but but like just on that point Vinny about the how I mean I think looking at it between Dundalk and Rovers and obviously Shelburne going back it is the thing that tends to pierce the consciousness of those who aren't that worried about the League of Ireland how, so how well set up are Rovers um, to expand on that question to to pierce that and, and what, what do you think can be the extent of their ambitions this year on that front um, the, the, the Conference League they left that group stage Conference League behind them last year um, from, from this from the Estonia side they should have beat them uh, they're better than them uh, it, it just didn't happen on a day and that's that's football at that highest level one one moment or a couple of moments went against them but I think they've got such an ability to keep the ball in Europe that's huge it's not always been the way mm. for our side so I think that's huge um, you would you would you would sort of again reluctant to to, to, to criticise people. The staff there have done an amazing job. You would just wonder sometimes at the highest level in Europe, it's it's that little bit of pace. Not from from a defensive point of view, they would have it at times. It's that little bit of pace in behind people and capitalise on a mistake. So where they'll be comfortable and they might have a lot more possession than than some of the teams they meet in Europe. It's it's can they penetrate in behind at the highest level and because you might only get one chance for one ball in behind. And, and the rest is history so uh, for me that would be a cons- the only real concern in Europe a, a front man who can really lead the line or show them real pacing behind beyond that uh, it's a look of a draw when you when you go back to Dundalk last year we were to see the team and we drew Vitesse Arnhem who were still in the competition lost 2-1 away in Germany last night and may still go through so it's a it's so difficult Rovers aren't seeded because your coefficient is based on your last five years in Europe so they'd be unseeded in a lot of the draws, and that got, that can you can be really unlucky, mm. but you could meet an Icelandic champions who are seeded. So uh, it all depends. It's it's really is the look of the draw at that level. Can I ask you one more just on Jack Byrne? What, d- given the transitional nature of where, where he's uh, come from up to this point, like another big year at Rovers, and the links will all be there again with a move somewhere else. What do you think is he? best advice to do like would you like to see him stay at Rovers for the next four or five years or what do you think will happen for him yeah like the, the, for me it'd be great if if part of the league not just Jack Bourne but the league was built around these stars and he and you know and he, he focused on becoming the star in Ireland becoming the big name becoming you know uh, someone who can make a real living here in terms of uh, people get involved with him from an advertisement point of view and you see he's starting to do bits of that as I said there would be billboards built around people like Jack Bourne and the stars that are in the league like that so for me does, does Jack Bourne I've watched a lot of League 1 League 2 football is he good enough to play at that level? Absolutely but does it suit him? Probably not and that's why he probably made the decision to go to Europe at the time um, but again um, in terms of uh, he probably double tripled his wages when he went away and you know he, mm. he's a young lad who has to make Fair a living for himself yeah. so if somebody comes back in at some stage in the next 12 18 months and offer him two and three times his wages um, and sometimes it can be it can be life-changing money as well for these guys so uh, but it would be brilliant if we built the league around people like Jack Bourne Danny Mandrew Michael Duffy and made them the stars that I, I think people connected to them clubs think they are are Shelburne a sleeping giant or just a giant? Oh, like 
I, I mean, I, I played against that great Shelbourne team, Stewie Bourne, um, Owen Heary, these guys, just fantastic team, brilliant club. Uh, the atmosphere in, in Tolka Park was was sensational back around that time. Um, Pat Fenlon done an amazing job with them. But um, it's been so long since they've been where they are that... Um, it'll take a lot for them to get back to the levels they need to be um, so you would have to say uh, Duffer won't like me saying it, you'd have to say absolutely sleep and joint because to wake that club back up to what it needs to be um, it's very difficult to get the crowds in because Tucker Park has fallen apart, the new stand that went in the new stand is now condemned and supporters aren't allowed in it for example so it's going to be difficult it's going to be small crowds sold out crowds generally down there and um, it's a difficult league uh, for teams who get promoted very few do really well in it so um, it's a difficult road back to where they'll get to I know Damien will work really hard to get them there but you're taking on some clubs have been there for a long time and Shells have been so up and down that um, genuinely I think if Shelbourne finished the, te- the, the league mid-table or toward from bottom it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for them as a club and, and to build slowly to get back to where they once were I think uh, him saying during the week that it was the it's the biggest thing it's the biggest day in his life outside of any family things I think was like a huge endorsement for, for it and he's been cranking up obviously the pressure on the players as well by saying this is a giant of a club and the expectations are there and you've got to fill the shirt like he's been saying all the right things I think what's in terms of like what he can expect on the pitch, obviously, uh, Pats this weekend. What's the like? What, what do you expect to see? Because he might have, and he's obviously got the history he has in terms of the clubs he's played with and the style that he had. And he might have something in mind, and he might have to be more pragmatic for the reasons that you've just outlined. What do you expect to see from Damien Duff, Damien Duff style of football? Yeah, like I done my pro license with Damien, so spent two years in and out of his company right. uh, the last couple of years and um, really intense guy loves his football at the time he was working with Celtic under Brendan Rodgers who is in many ways one of the godfathers of, of, of football over there we obviously have Pep and uh, Klopp but Brendan I suppose for Irish people he's very uh, connectable with and Damien seemed to have a really uh, strong relationship with, with him and you could see that in, in the way when he spoke and when he gave us examples of what he was doing at his club and uh, John Kennedy the assistant manager there was really you know he's one of the most highly regarded coaches in, in British football and so Damien picked up a lot from them from them guys I would say in particular obviously he worked under Mourinho and he won premiership titles so uh, but it's a whole different world um, to where he is it's still the same game but he's just working with a player who isn't as, as good as what he once wa- was working with. So that will be difficult. Um, I think what he, where he'll find it difficult is when you look at a squad, a lot of young players with a bit of talent. Um, I've seen they, they, they've played three at the back in pre-season, they've played with back four. So he'll have to find his own style and his own way of playing that suits his players. So just because he's worked under... Brandon Rogers and, and they played a certain way at Celtic or it doesn't mean he can just automatically take that as a blueprint and build it into shells because he's got different players Does, and does it take him a while to figure that out then Vidi? Is that like you, you might have an idea and this is I'm all in now on this thing but you, might, you may and Stephen Kenny has had to do it obviously with Ireland you may need to adapt Yeah absolutely so I mean we all get brandished with different titles people would say um, 
does the in transfer room where you're going to transfer market um, we'll all as coaches I'm called the 4-3-3 coach and, and people would say I'd like to be this way and that way that's just because of the players I worked with I worked with Gannon and Massey two best fullbacks in the last 10-12 years so I, I played that sort of way that suited them players but Damien has different players there now and as I said he's, he's got people like Mark Coyle from, from Finn Harps he's got Air Dervin from, from Longford last year who, who will make a, probably a big part of his midfield they're, yes they will be technical enough players but they're all about work rate and energy so his style will have to adapt to the players he has so it will be fascinating to see I know Damien doesn't want it to be about him and he's trying to play that part of it down but um, like uh, it was funny I seen a picture of his press conference and all the usual the, the 10-12 lads were sitting around with him, Damien in the middle of it and I sort of chuckled to myself because someone like Rory Higgins is tucked away up in Derry um, probably driving back to somewhere around the, up the hills there in the car laughing to himself because they spent a huge amount of money they've signed a huge amount of players mm. and all the attention is on Damien and Shell so that's good for other managers in the league so from Shell's perspective um, and Damien's I can understand that when you know him as a person difficult to know uh, but a brilliant person so enthralled in the game that I can see why he said what he said about this being one of the biggest days of his life because he doesn't do anything by half. I imagine if, if he goes for a loaf of bread, he's thought about which bread, which brand he's buying, um, why he's buying it, and how long it's going to last, and what his um, what his plan is to to do with the bread. Um, and that's just Damien Duff, and he, he's brilliant for it. But there is other hard worker managers in the league as well. You can't get to this level without being obsessed by the game. Well, you mentioned Derry, so let's go there. And Stewie was talking, saying last night that they should challenge Rovers, which is there's not a huge amount of um, sentiment for that out there. But uh, you mentioned Rory Higgins, obviously the players they've brought in that you'll be very familiar with, Duffy and, and McElhenney. The, the real positive story bubbling up there. Do, is it realistic that they'll challenge? Um, yes. Uh, so it's Rory Higgins, not Rory. So uh, R- Rory. Rory, yeah. So very much an Irish name. Uh, so. So I, I, Rory was there, um, worked with myself and Stephen in eighteen when we won the double. He was my insist, assistant in nineteen, and people people would talk about other managers. Uh, just just an amazing football person who, you know, you talk about eat, drink, and sleep football. He he knows everything about everything of the game and every player, and you can tell by that by the squad he's put together. Uh, the obvious ones: du- Duffy, McElhenney, uh Will Patching gone up there. Um, that's, it's just a sensational sort of uh, front line they've put together up there. They, they, they will play things down, and rightly so. They've got to manage expectations. But the, the Brandywell, with a team going well, is one of the best clubs in this country. And I think what they can bring to the league is they can bring a title race. I have no doubt about that. Uh, it's a long way to come back from where they were to catch Shamrock Rovers it's, I think it's 24 points from last year that's a lot of games to make up but they've certainly put uh, the players in place to do that again signing of Cameron Dummigan um, you would say where it was one of their weaknesses they could have been stronger at the back Cameron Dummigan from Dundalk brilliant signing for Dundalk players who have all had success so really strong sort of and there's a, there's a local element to a Shane McElhenney has gone back as well, Patrick and Michael are from the town, and when that town gets together, and um, we've seen some of the documentaries recently, it's an amazing football town, and the Brandywell will be a difficult place to go this year. So, uh, for me, um, I think they're probably the, the only team 
capable of pushing Rovers all the way this year. Right, so we're saying Rovers, we're saying Derry might get close, and then with the who's the best of the rest? Like, yeah, well, Pats Pats last week in the Presidents Cup were actually better than Rovers on the day. They should have been two or three up. Um, they've they've you know Owen Doyle has come back into the into the league looked really good Dara Burns was exceptional last year young players coming through that club so you you know it, it is difficult between Pats Bowles and Sligo and Dundalk to pick next best of them it, it, there's so many changes to them squad that you've got to it, it's a wait and see I mean when you look at Bowles the players the players they've lost Georgie Kelly um, uh, Ross Tierney um, they, they're huge blows for them uh, Cornwall, their centre half, and the captain Buckley, right through the middle of the squad. That's a huge blow for Bowles. So we don't know what Bowles are going to be like. Pats have lost some big players, so it's it's it is. It looks very very simply. Uh, Rovers, Derry will chase them, and it, it's up to the rest. Um, Sligo have lost John Mann and John Kenny. John Kenny, young player coming through, gone to Celtic. John Mann was their captain and a real leader for them, and that's a huge blow for them. So um, we've lost a huge amount of talent out of the league as well. It's a big, big story developing underneath, and um, a lot of the clubs have suffered as a result of it. In terms of players that are still in the league, give us a few players to watch then before before we let you go, Vinny. Yeah, well, D- Dara Bourne's exceptional player at St. Pat's. Um, Jamie McGonagall, a very young player that he signed from the Northern League, again, Rory's knowledge brilliant player Jamie Mullins at Bowles has a real chance Carl Sullivan was at Finn Harps last year but he's gone to Sligo into the professional setup. nothing against Finn Harps but I think he is one that is could kick on um, Shell signed from, from Wexford uh, Jack Moylan looks a really really good player albeit it was first division level so that will be interesting but again people criticise UCD they've got a couple of big stars now that they're being promoted and but Colin Whelan Irish on the 21 international and Liam Carrigan looks the real deal he's someone I, I last summer would have spoken to his agent um, if Dundalk had it went down a different route as a club someone like Liam Carrigan is, is destined to be a star I feel but with so many of these young players hard to know but they look the real stars for me and again watch out for Brendan Kavanagh up in, up in uh, Derry because um, he was at Rovers went alone to Bray but the style of Derry might sue him and, and there's, there's certainly new stars about to come true uh, because we need them we've lost that many Alright brilliant stuff Vinny great to see you in person yeah. thanks a for coming Good. in thanks very great much stuff. thanks a lot Vinny Parts looking ahead to the brand new uh, League of Ireland season and we'll have lots more, lots more reaction to that uh, over the weekend including on uh, Off the Ball Saturday as well with JD and crew plenty still to come here on OTBIM this morning we're going to hear from Hugo Keenan uh, before 9 o'clock this morning we're going to cross over to Spain next to chat to Amber Barrett uh, but last night on Off the Ball Sonny Bill Williams joined Nathan for a chat about what he's doing in Dublin and what it's been like working with Andy Lee very, very grateful that Andy's opened his arms and let me come into that intimate space. You know, I've been able to meet, meet his beautiful wife, Maud, and his uh, beautiful beautiful kids, Julia and, and Andy boy, you know. Um, I, but I understand, you know, that's why I, I respect Andy so much because he's not going to take on a fighter unless he connects with him and, and unless he believes in what he wants to do because, you know, he's got his own life as well. And I respect that because I have my own life as well, you know. So, um but you know it's been it's been cool because I feel like there's mutual respect there. You know, I've, I deeply respect the path that he's walked uh, and him as a man and how he's gone about his business in that ring inside and out. But I feel like I get that respect from him as well. And 
I think the underlying principle of this relationship is being real, um, understanding where we're at, but then understanding that with work ethic and patience and, and uh, uh, for me, a, a humble mindset and, and, and just a work ethic um, that I, I can get better, you know, and get better, 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 and better. And, you know, um, we've, I've seen the progress in the last four weeks under the guidance of Andy. Uh, yeah, that's Sonny Bill Williams in conversation with uh, Nathan on the show last night. You can check out that full thing up on our YouTube channel uh, and uh, be up for podcast as well and all the rest of uh, that good stuff. It is half past eight. It's Friday morning. We've lots still to come, including a live uh, crappy quiz coming your way in just a few moments' time. But before all of that, delighted to say we're off to Spain now. We're joined on the line by the Republic of Ireland International, Amber Barrett. Good morning to you, Amber. I don't know if Amber can hear us there. Good morning, lads. Thank you for having me on. Not at all. Delighted to chat with you. I don't know if there's a slight delay on the line there, but uh, hopefully it doesn't impinge too much. Obviously, you're in the middle of the uh, Pinotar uh, Cup there. You've uh, Russia upcoming. Uh, what's the What what uh, sort of prep are you doing at the minute? What stage of the week are you at, obviously, ahead of the game tomorrow? Yeah, well, I think firstly, um, I think coming off the back of a really good result on Wednesday, I think the mood in the camp has been excellent this week. And obviously, we know... Um, Three three games over ten day period is going to be you know heavy going for for everybody and um, preparation's been really good the last couple of days obviously the girls played on on Wednesday were kind of looking more sort of recovering all yesterday and the rest of us have, have been really working hard we trained after the game on on Wednesday the girls that didn't get game time or you know maybe didn't get a lot of game time and you know we're hopefully going to be getting our chance tomorrow um, in the game which is you know again a great opportunity for everybody and it's an, it's an opportunity for us to prove ourselves and I think also you know it's an opportunity for everybody in the squad to be comfortable in that you know high pressure situation. Typically like it's so unusual for any international team to have gotten so much time together and uh, you know that it's obviously there's a cup involved but at the same time it's useful prep of ahead of what's ahead. What sort of stuff are you working on new stuff on the training ground are you, is it uh, yeah what sort of thing have you been doing given that unique opportunity that you've had yeah I think um, to be honest with you I think we're trying to get the game plan that we're going to have against Sweden um, nailed down as best we can obviously you know when we're here we're still we're still playing oppositions that you know might have a different way of playing that Sweden do and that can pose a little bit of a difficulty for us because it's not a like-for-like situation. But I think, you know, Vera has definitely put the emphasis this week that it's on us and, you know, it's this week is about us and it's not about the other teams that are here. And we're trying to, you know, fine-tune everything. And I think, as, as you said, it's three great competitive games to have, but ultimately this is all um, preparation for the next, you know, really, really crucial game in, in April against Sweden. And, you know, most important thing is to have a fit and healthy squad and what we have that and I think now you know getting used to I think perfecting the formation and you know tweaking things that might have needed to be tweaked and even you know we've done an analysis on other games that we had you know and just you can see the improvement that we're making all the time and I think it's difficult in this space of time because we have 10 days together but also you have a game nearly every second third day so it's nearly hard to kind of get a full training that's, you know, everybody's in it, you know, because a lot of girls, you know, with different levels in terms of recovery and, you know, playing games the day before and everything. So I think it's been difficult in that way to kind of get everybody out on the pitch 100% ready to go in, in terms of that. But I think, you know, we've managed it really, really well so far. Can we expect a change then in April from what we've seen up to this? Or is it, you mentioned about sort of tweaking things around. Is it, are there new elements at play here well, that have been introduced now? 
Yeah, well, I think ultimately, like, you know, we look at the, the Sweden result and we look at the fact that, you know, we obviously lost the game. So, you know, ultimately, I think, you know, we have to start getting even a little bit more tight and defensively. And I think we've been, we have been very solid in that regard, but I think we've been trying to, you know, I suppose limit the amount of mistakes that we make and the areas that we make them and then having, you know, the, the solution to problems. And I think that's one thing that we highlighted yesterday in um, analysis of the bowling game. There was a lot of you know problems that occurred, but we found solutions directly or very very soon after, and it didn't happen again. And you know that's something that will definitely be taken with us into the Sweden game. And again, I think the amount of fouls that we've been making has you know that's completely you know um, lowered, which is another good thing. You know if you're keeping good teams, keeping them out, and you know keeping your discipline, I think that's also something that will be brilliant to take into the Sweden game when you consider how big and tall that they are. You know they're very very strong in the air. So I suppose they're little things um, what we're definitely going to be taking in. And again, I think that's the most important thing is that we're keeping ourselves defensively solid. And then obviously over the next few days, we'll hopefully be building on that, um, you know, the attacking side of things as well. It's really interesting looking at the, the makeup of the Ireland squad, not just this one, Amber, but all the ones that we've seen over the last little while. You've got players obviously playing in the United States, in Ireland, in England, obviously in, in Germany. How does that come together in terms of a melting pot of styles? Is it noticeably different to players coming from slightly different backgrounds or slightly different recent experiences on the pitch? You know what, actually, we were literally just having this conversation yesterday. You know, I find that, you know, it's so different how I come in here from, you know, what we do in Cologne. And then what fear might ask you to do here is, you know, completely different. And everybody is coming from that, as you said, different, different teams, different clubs, different countries as well. Every country has different playing styles. And I think it actually kind of gives you a nice little mix of things as well, because, you know, there might be something you do that might be beneficial, but there might be something else someone else does that can also add I suppose, to your side of the game and also to your team's side of the game. And I think it's good to have that kind of um, variety of, of, of playing styles. But, you know, I think that's definitely a challenge that I'll have to commend the coaching staff on. They're trying to fine-tune everything then to get us all as various as, you know, singing off the same hymn sheet. And, you know, that can be that can be a very difficult thing to do. As you said, it's so diverse. But I think definitely if you look at the polling game, I think, you know, there was a there was a strong cohesion in the team and there was a fluidity to our play and you know you wouldn't look at that and say God there's a lot of these girls playing different places you know I think you would look at it and say that you can say that they're all as I said playing uh, singing off the same sheet. How does the style of play that you're playing with Cologne differ to the other styles of play that are being brought into the Ireland camp? I suppose like in, in for me in Cologne I find that the striker has a very you know a very very strong defensive role in the terms of. You know, our coach in Cologne is very vocal about players. Everybody attacks, but everybody gets back. And that can involve a lot of long, long, heavy sprints and, you know, dropping back to the edge of the box at times and picking up players. And, you know, not saying that doesn't happen here, but, you know, Vera puts a, you know, a lot of um, emphasis on that everybody should have a player and everybody should have a role, but she doesn't want, you know, um, against Poland, she didn't want Kira to come back to the edge of the box to pick up somebody if uh, Megan Connolly was going to be free. You know, she wants that communication that you pass players on and all. Where I suppose, in, in my sense, that you know, I nearly if my player drops, I nearly would drop with my player. And I suppose as well, you know, we definitely have um, a lot more ball here than we would uh, with the, with Cologne. Sometimes, you know, some games it's been good, but. As I said, every every country has different playing styles, but there's also things in Cologne that I think are good um, and benefit me as a player, and there's things here that benefit me as a player. So it's about trying to find that match and then obviously 
given the best of the team, whichever team it is. And even within the Ireland camp, Amber, is there is there a sense within within the team that there might be different styles in the sense that, like you were mentioning about Sweden, and maybe things need to be a bit tighter. I think uh, going there to play a team of that quality that's entirely understandable. But that, like maybe one of the criticisms of the team uh, over the last little while has been that we haven't against the likes of a Georgia or a Finland at times. Maybe Georgia is a bad example, uh, but against some of the teams that we should be maybe a little bit more offensive against, particularly in some of the home matches that we haven't been. Is there a sense that we can all also adapt into that style when needed? Yeah, I think so. I think it has to be. Um, I think that, you know, I think Ireland, Irish football teams have always been renowned for being so defensive. Um, I suppose counter-attacks and everything is something that, you know, is always kind of, it's native name that kind of sticks with you. But I think ultimately that we know that we're making the steps forward. And I think that when you, when we went away to Finland, you know, ultimately coming away with three points was, you know, a huge, huge, huge achievement. And not saying that we didn't believe that, but, you know, ultimately our goal going into that game is to make sure we don't concede. And then when you don't concede, you know, you're, you obviously then you have your opportunity then to get a point out of the game or get three points out of the game. And I think that's never going to change. You know, every game we play, first thing that we say is we don't concede, you know, and I think with that, you know, building the confidence, again, getting results like the, I like against the likes of Finland and even on, on Wednesday against Poland, it just gives you that little bit more confidence and with confidence comes the belief. And I think when, when the belief comes in, you know, there's no reason why then we can't say, well, we're going to be a little bit more attacking against the likes of Finland and Poland and teams like that. So um, I think we don't have to, um, I suppose, go an all-out attack against a team like Sweden. I don't think that that's the... You know, that's the top international level that we're at yet, but I don't see why we can't get to that level. I think that we have to, you know, Beer has been saying a lot this week to know our limits. And I think that's something that we definitely realise against a team like Sweden. You know, we have to be very disciplined defensively, but also when we have an opportunity to go forward, we're definitely going to, you know, make sure that we're taking it as well. You, uh, from your own point of view, um, you got 10 minutes um, in the win over Poland. You got 15 minutes and a goal, obviously, against Georgia back in November. And you played an hour in that win, that uh, almost benchmark win in some ways against um, Australia as well at the, the before the campaign began. Um, is that a frustration for you to be sort of in and out? Does it make you more determined around the, around the pitch? Or would you like to get, I presume you would love to get the opportunity to, to get out there in more of those competitive games and show them what you're about? Yeah, absolutely. Of course, everybody wants to play. But like, as I said at the start, you know, tomorrow is an opportunity for, for me to get that, that, that um, opportunity to play. Um, Beer is going to rotate the team a lot tomorrow, so I think that you'll see a lot of new faces in the in the starting eleven tomorrow. And that for me is again, it's an opportunity to play, but also you know it's a very highly competitive environment, as I've said here. And there is there's absolutely no frustration. I think everybody wants to play, and you know I'm one of the luckier ones that gets game time, and some other players don't. You know, so I think ultimately it's a team. I think you come down to that, and I think Vera picks the team that she believes is best for that match or that occasion, and. You know, at the end of the day, you have a lot of players at this at this time. We have twenty seven players here, all looking to be number one to eleven. You know, so it's it does take a lot of work, and it. I think you do have to be very patient with it. You know, and I think if I look at my before Christmas, you know, I wasn't playing a lot with Cologne, so it, you know, in many ways, I didn't have an expectation that I was going to come into international games and be a guaranteed starter because that's just not the way it works. The same way I know that if I playing week in week out, that doesn't also mean I'm a guaranteed starter. Um, I think you just have to keep really positive. You have to make sure that you're giving the team everything. And if you get 10 minutes, if you get 20 minutes, that you make sure that it's the best 20 minutes, 10 minutes that you can give. And, 
you know, definitely so far, I've definitely been happy, um, happy with it. And I'm just always constantly looking to push on. And thankfully, I have great teammates around me here that are, are doing the same. You know, they push you on the field and off it. And I think when you have that level of squad and that level of togetherness in a team, you know, I think even the players that don't play, they feel part of it. And, you know, for me, that is the most important thing. And, you know, now, tomorrow, hopefully a lot of us will get our opportunity. And, you know, when you get your opportunity, I think now the pressure's on to, to take it. But pressure in a good way, not obviously pressure in a bad way. Yeah, and I know that a lot of fans were left disappointed for the polling game as well. A lot of fans here who were hoping to see it and for technical reasons. Um, it never materialised. Is can you do you? Uh, and given that you've you're saying that hopefully you'll get a lot of game time. Obviously uh, tomorrow, um, I presume you'll be wanting friends and family to have a look at that. If the players, do you go and have a chat with somebody about that? Is there? I'm sure it's as frustrating for you guys as it is for everybody else. Yeah, yeah. Of course, it was it was frustration. It was not something that um, you know. I suppose I think ultimately we were talking about it the day before that it was such a. Um, it was such a sorry. There's a few guards here hanging around when they know they shouldn't be. Uh, <laughs> but um, no, so it, it was obviously it was a frustrating. Of course, you know I had sent the, the link to a lot of um, family and friends. But you know, I think you have to look at it. You know, a few years ago, playing a friendly that or playing in a friendly competition. You know, there would not have been a demand for people to watch the stream and people to watch the game. And, I think that is just, in many ways, yes, of course, it was disappointing that it, it didn't work out. But, you know, I've been um, reassured that it will be, everything will be working and ready for, for Saturday night. And I think that we've come such a long way and even off the field stuff. And that's, I think that's a prime example of it. You know, the amount of tweets and texts that I received, you know, when people talking about, you know, why is there not a link? And I think that's such a, it's such a huge thing. You know, I think that's progress in itself. Um, I think it, it keeps the standards for everybody high that, you know, there's not going to be, you know, if, there, if there's games that aren't televised, there's not showing, there's going to be questions asked. And I think that's just the demand now people have to watch us. And, you know, we hope now that the standards, you know, with that will, will keep high as they, as they have been up to this point. And hopefully um, what happened on Wednesday won't happen again with, with this team. Yeah, Amber, listen, uh, if and when you get your opportunity tomorrow, very best of luck with it and uh, continued success. Thanks a million for jumping on the line this morning. Well, very much, lads. Thank you. Amber Barrett of Cologne and the Republic of Ireland there looking ahead to the uh, clash with Russia tomorrow and uh, potentially into a final as well. I think it'll be next Tuesday. Uh, they'll be into a game either way. Uh, potentially a final um, and uh, opposition TBC. Yeah, absolutely. Just want to bring you very quickly one story this morning that you might have seen last night. It's uh, to do with the Trench Cup. Uh, reported, first of all, by the Argus yesterday that uh, DKIT at Dundalk Institute of Technology obviously pulled out of the Trench Cup final. It was due to take place today in Carlow. They were due to be up against GMIT. Uh, DKIT's manager is um, Oshin McConville, and they decided to pull out yesterday. They played their semi-final against MTU Midwest on Wednesday, and they obviously won that. And then they appealed to the Higher Education Authority this week for the final to be pushed back because they had nine players involved in the Allianz League this weekend and they said that they considered the appeal but insisted the match must go ahead as scheduled. Uh, I see Donica Boyle tweeting this morning that the original plan was for the semi-final to be today uh, and tomorrow, semi-final today, final tomorrow, but uh, that was changed. Uh, the players voted after the appeal was rejected to not fulfil the fixture. Uh, Dundalk IT then came out and said, we were faced with travelling down to Carlow without up to nine players or asking our county players to play three games in four days. Although we could have fielded a team and brought some junior players, we and the players feel this would do the college and the competition a disservice. We're sorry that 
that it has come to this, but this was a decision from the players and we completely agreed with them in this regard. We thank you for your efforts in what was an extremely difficult job and we hope that in future years, Colleges Weekend doesn't coincide with National League games. And that is the big talking point at the end. Will this actually eventually... Uh, lead to change because this is not the first time we've been having conversations like this this feels like a bit of a watershed moment where something has happened a team has pulled out of a competition because there are too many games you can trace this back as many years as you like you can go back to 2016 when Jack McCaffrey and Paul Mannion both picked up hamstring injuries and quad injuries playing for UCD in what was their fifth game in 16 game, uh, six, uh, sixteen days across all competitions for county and uh, and college you had a situation last month where two lads played Sigerson and McGrath Cup in the same day. You obviously have the terrible situation of Tommy Conroy doing his cruciate two days after playing for Mayo once he went into the Sigerson. You have James Horne saying it's completely unsustainable if you were designing from scratch the current scheduling of the Sigerson would be the worst case you could possibly design. The players and the demands of them don't make any sense at any level. You have the likes of Owen McLaughlin and Stefan Cunbar both picking up injuries recently, Okunbar playing in three different competitions over the course of January, the McGrath Cup, Sigerson Cup, and with his club, Nagel. There is a hell of a lot on the plates for all these players, and DKIT have said this week, enough is enough. Yeah, makes, uh, makes not a huge amount of sense. We'll see uh, and follow it as it moves along. Right now, time for the quick picks. Some of these critics, these pundits. I absolutely adore them, lads. I have unbelievable time from, but they're, they're a great bunch, but it's not acceptable. I like to play the hard man when, when they're on it. It's not very pleasant when you're trying to manage a team. All you're looking for is a bit of civility and a bit of decency, but they just dismiss you like, like you, you know, you have nothing to do with the bloody occasion. All right, it's coming up on 10 to 9 Friday morning. Time for our quick picks. Will, Tommy, have joined us. Morning, lads. Morning. Morning, lads. Wake it up. Um, I don't know if we have a table to hand but I understand it doesn't make exceptionally pretty reading there we go speak Um, for yourself well apart from Owen I mean I will say and when you're explaining you're losing but I will say that I was within 30 seconds combined between those two club matches last night of flipping that those percentages the other way I mean if right was right on I really should be the one that's I would have been I think I'm 8 out of 16 I would have been 10 out of 16 apart from like the two most dramatic moments that we will ever see in sport ever whatever helps you to sleep at night <laughs> any excuses from you chumps no excuses you really got the quick pick quick picks rootless game Adrian it's a rootless game right I've, uh, our man on and is that we're going to jump in here um, see which way we're all going here ah uh, Will Will O'Callaghan have you been I mean Will for anybody who's listening Will as you'll tell has gone for a draw and the rest of us are going for our man like go on Look, the draw almost worked. You guys were slagging me last week in that very studio for picking a draw between Kilkenny and Tipperary. The sides were level, I think, on eight or nine occasions during it. Kilkenny just couldn't get an equaliser laid on. Again, I think this game is going to be really, really close. I've been nothing but impressed by Armagh. I had a feeling that you guys were going to go Armagh across the book. So I thought i got to have A, a point of difference, and B, I think this game is going to be incredibly close. So I'm more than happy to have splinters and to sit in the fence ah, well, and back Monaghan to go and get a point. You're breaking our collective hearts here. Tommy, Armagh, I put it to you, the form team of the country at the minute, uh, not had an easy couple of opening games hard to back against them plus Monaghan are basically the French rugby team of GA you just don't know what's going to turn up on the day oh I think you're guaranteed to get a very very difficult game against Monaghan in the league especially 100% it's going to be tight Adrian it's going to be like I understand where Will is coming from I don't understand why he keeps going for the draw yeah like it's it's he's lessening his own odds like he's making it difficult here on the quick picks more difficult for himself but look at maybe he's just looking for the glory um 
I just think Armagh, I actually think the, the, the break is going to help Armagh. I think when you, you beat the last two All-Ireland champions, sometimes there's no harm to get a bit of break. Uh, you might be looking at that and saying their momentum is gone. I'm not sure if that's the case. I think they'll sit down, they'll assess. That wasn't Bailey, was it Hugo? Was it yours, Will, no? That's definitely the postman at the door. <laughs> okay, there you go. Um, so I actually think the break would have helped Armagh. The two-week break, sit down, reassess. We've beaten the last two All-Ireland champions. They were both a little undercooked. Doesn't take away from our performance, but we have to st- keep progressing. I think they're going to keep going and Armagh are going to back up there. As you said, the form team of 2022. Do you need to go and pick something up from the postman or is he just... Ah, I'm, I'm sure they'll leave it at the door. Once he stops barking, we're fine. We can keep quick picking. Uh, right, let's keep going then. We go into Dublin Mayo um, and we've Will and Owen who are going for Mayo and myself and Tommy are going for the Dubs. I am certainly was split on this one. It was hard to call. Owen? Yeah, it definitely the hardest one to call this week. Uh, I, I think at this point though, the way Dublin have been exposed at the back the first two weeks, I think the fact that this game is in Croke Park actually plays into Mayo's hands, not least because they beat them there last year when it mattered most. They've got a couple of players back. You're going to have Oshin Mullen on the field. We don't know what the Dublin situation is, we must say here. They could yeah. have they could have James McCarthy and, and Conor Callaghan uh, both playing. They could have Stephen Cluxton in goal for all we know this weekend. We just, we just haven't a clue. So we, there is a bit of guesswork on that front. But what we do know with Mayo is that they've looked good so far uh, and Dublin have looked bad so far. This game is in Croke Park where there's going to be plenty of open space for Mayo to expose them again. So that is, what, is why I'm tipping Mayo. But again, Conor Callaghan could come back and score three goals on Saturday night. I wouldn't be surprised. You don't know yet. Uh, Mullenbach, Ruan starts. Plenty of names that aren't all that familiar, Tommy. Is that, what, yeah. what are you thinking? Can I make a point here? Like James, The manner in which James Horne has managed the Mayo transition has been absolutely exceptional. And he has got praise for it. I actually don't think it's been good enough. There are new names in this Mayo team, but it's brilliant for them. And, and that's why I'm going for Dublin this time. I actually think we'll get a response from Dublin. But I think, again, Horne has given more and more experience to some of these guys. Bricking and starting full back, very highly rated. We're keeping an eye on this week. I think he could be very, uh, could be a perfect fit for Mayo back there. Jack Kearney has come in after a really impressive club campaign with his side. Um, we're seeing a little bit more of Aidan Norm. Paul Towie was finding the Sigerson during the week. Fionn McDonough, who had a, an exceptional game in the Sigerson final for NUIG when they won it. I, I think Horn has done really, really well to manage the transition. Way better than the Dubs have managed there. Um, their golden generation going. So, like... Uh, I'm just back in Dublin to win this game, but I think it's it's the smart move by Horan playing to get the lads that he's playing. John Mackin on YouTube wondering why does Adrian hate Mayo constantly writing us off? I mean, as somebody who sat at Crow Park last year with the green and red on me, it's not that I hate them. I mean, I just wish the best for them, and it just doesn't. Mayo and Kildare, he absolutely he despises. Um, right, uh, Kerry Donegal. Let's see what we've got. Kerry across the board. Will O'Callaghan, come on in. Yeah, I mean, look, Kerry very good against Dublin last time out. Kerry at home. Uh, Donegal have been a little bit of a mixed bag, but obviously bounced back with a victory last time out. So, yeah, I'd fancy Kerry to keep the run going. I think they're going to be there, thereabouts at the top of the table. I think they currently sit top of Owen's power rankings after the break. So let's see if they can back it up this weekend with another win. It's rare that you'd... Uh you're 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 going for a carry win. So yeah, yeah. Must, that, that to me record. indicates like about a ten point win. But a bad record in the, the league against Kerry. I don't think they've beaten them in the league since 2013. And uh, yeah. Kerry's been better in a lot of those games. So uh, the squad as well. Like uh, I was making the point to Tommy on the phone the other day that the league has actually really suited Kerry recently because they've got a bunch of young players who are excellent. Seven to eight point five out of ten consistently across their entire panel. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Kerry lifting the national league title at, at the end of this year again after yeah. being joined Bullish. champions last year in Champions the year before and having got to the final 
2019. There's a reason why they've been good in the league. It's that squad depth. Not necessarily going to come good for them in this summer, but I think... Oh, yes. They're, they're the caveat. Yes. I think they're best place to win the league, yeah. Uh, right, Tyrone, Kildare. Uh, it's Tyrone across the board here, and I know that... Uh, the, those who were dishing out the abuse to me a couple of weeks ago when I was saying that Kildare are out of their death in this division and uh, like well the thing is right okay. like it's written in the stars that what could be contrived like when I was on course to win the crappy quiz last year and you changed the rules halfway through when I was left out of the first week of this and then Tommy's come up with some makey uppy stuff that may, means I'm on 50% which I do need to double check actually and if anything could be more contrived suddenly Tyrone get four suspensions this is the one thing that's slightly wobbling me and I will say to be fair to Kildare they hung in obviously against Donegal we don't know really what the quality of that Donegal team is and we're all going for Kerry obviously this week which might be a good indication about how we're thinking about them Oof. but harsh, uh, they did hang in against Donegal to be fair they they weren't uh, you know they weren't entirely run over but it's impossible yeah, I, I, I said good for a team of their qualities is that I, what said, you're saying, I said two weeks ago that nobody will be backing against uh, nobody will be backing Kildare in any of the games they're playing in that division and I've been proven right. Well, they're up against the All-Ireland champions and let's not uh, make any bones about the fact that Tyrone having four suspensions is good news for Tyrone. They are the siege mentality kings. <laughs> they feel that it is them against the world once again this year, which is the last thing the world needs to happen to it right now. The suspensions that have been dished out to Tyrone mean that Tyrone are going to be standing on the steps of the Hogan stand this July with Sam Maguire in their hand and they'll be like, you wrote us all off. <laughs> David Goff, this one's for you. Because yeah. they're unfortunately going to be, kind of, uh, going to be uh, uh, what, what, what would you call it, just in the middle of that train to Towards uh, the, the All Ireland this year is. I hope you get as much abuse now for that as I got. Uh, well, he was about to say cannon fodder, and he held just short. I did actually. Yeah. Like, whoa! whoa. Yeah, so say, say that there, so we can oh. clip it up and <laughs> send it out. Uh, right, let's move on. Derry Cork. It's Derry across the board. Tommy. Table's not going to look pretty for Cork after the weekend. Uh, Mead are going to get their first points on the board. Cork going to be sitting down near the bottom beside Offaly and Down on one point and Offaly and Down are going to be on nothing after the weekend so going to be Derry Derry going to keep continue their form they're flying Galway Offaly Galway across the board yeah that's uh, well go on give us your 30 second off case for you I'm going for Galway but you wouldn't be surprised by Offaly nah I, I don't think this one's going to be close at all Galway have been so impressive so far Offaly were as we kind of expected uh, just before the break, were put to the sword by Derry, really, who, as Tommy just said, are so impressive, particularly around the middle third of the field. Derry are as good as anyone in that division and have got every feeling to think they're going to have back-to-back promotions now at this stage. As an awfully supporter, I'm hoping that Derry beat Cork to keep Cork in that little mini-group towards the bottom with few points accumulated so far. But I think uh, Galway, especially after their impressive win up in Ulster last time out, uh, I think Galway are going to keep things ticking over. And for Offaly, it's all about that game against Tommy's Mead on Saturday week if Offaly don't pick up points in that game they're going into the Talton Cup for this summer Westmead Longford uh, Westmead across the board lads you're the last starting to pay attention they're I mean favourites to get promoted out of this shambles yeah. of a division that they're in on and, uh, and get I back mean, up you, you back up to where they belong um, oh, they, they, unintentionally uh, but yeah I mean I don't know Longford somehow came through um, they've a draw, I think, but Longford uh, with Loud, Loud last gas point. Should have yeah. beaten, should have beaten Loud, yeah. And someone came through a relegation. They're not a great team, and you know, they're not. They're not. I'm putting it mildly there. But Leinster is awake this they, morning. They, they, if right was right last year, with the way and like, look at who knows what actually the the format was uh, when the when the cards fell eventually last season. But they someone came through a relegation playoff against a half decent team who I can't quite remember. Um, um, so yeah look I, we're all going the one direction Shock Jock Adrian Barry 
Hardly. What's the rivalry like between these two? Because you've only it's met a, six times. Do you know, it's a good, no, no, it's a good, it's a good question. It's a bit like the like Ireland England rivalry, where or New Zealand Australia, where we're where Westmeath are the power player. <laughs> we couldn't really care less about Longford, and they're really bitter with us. That's kind of what's going on. Which would be sweeter for you? They're playing each other in like 10 weeks in championship, by the way. Which would be sweeter for you? A championship win against Longford or a championship win against Kildare for Westmead this summer? Well, they're both at a similar sort of level. That's a joke. That is a joke. Um, I, oh. I obviously, would be Kildare. Uh, and, and I don't mind saying that like Meath and Westmead have the same thing going on where Meath, in that instance, are the power player and they couldn't give two hoots about us and we love baiting them. But um, anyway, that's... I have- I have a feeling Adrian Barry's face is going to be printed and plastered all over uh, Pierce Park. It'll be the Newbridge or Nowhere mural, but your man's face will be Adrian Barry's face. They'll just repaint it. <laughs> yeah, Somebody's yeah. going to mock that up, aren't they? Uh, last one, Sligo Cavan. Um, we've a split jury here. Will and Owen are going for Cavan. Myself and Tommy are going for Sligo. I asked the Sligo Brains Trust in the office yesterday, Arthur and Cahill, uh, both Sligo men, who was going to win the game just to get a bit of an inside knowledge and they both slyly went for Cavan so that is the main reason that I'm going for Sligo I, I think that there may be an absence of slyness in there I think they no no there was there was the smirking on there was smirking ok yeah. sorry sorry well in that case then I, I, I rest my case I guess that the Markovic Park factor is a big thing Tony McEntee said the one downside of, of the, winning this game by 23 points uh, is the fact that Cavan are going to be paying closer attention to us and he said that their entire season is based on the fact of just winning games and being good at Markovic Park so that definitely factor into I'm sure yourself and Tommy's decision it's not an exact science but you look at the teams that they played the same so far and they both played Wexford Cavan beat them by 6 points Sligo beat them by 2 points so not a, a whole gap between them on that front even though you'd probably have Cavan a bit ahead of Sligo on paper so you add that into the fact that Sligo are at home I can see why you arrived at that conclusion but I do think that Cavan are just a, a better footballing side and they're going to possibly win every single game in Division 4 I think Sligo needed to be in 120% of uh they're, I think they're ready to go. I just think Sligo are absolutely flying. They're fitter than they're going to be all year long. They're targeting promotion. The Both of these teams are going up. I just think they're going to catch Cavan this weekend. There's a big statement incoming in Markovic Park and Sligo are going to beat them. Quick, just about. Quick picks in the box. Well done, lads. I absolutely adore them, lads. I have unbelievable time from them, but they're, they're a great bunch, but it's not acceptable. Irish rugby stars Hugo Keenan and Stacey Flood have been unveiled as Energia's new rugby ambassadors. They're going to represent their multiple rugby partnerships from grassroots right the way through to the international stage. And this season, Energia helping fans play their part in becoming more sustainable and environmentally conscious through its Ireland's Greenest Fan Campaign. Delighted to say Ireland fullback Hugo Keenan joins us on the line now. Good morning to you, Hugo. Hey guys, thanks for having me on. Thanks a million. Are, are you um, environmentally conscious? Are you sustainably conscious? How does that play its part in uh, in your life? Yeah, I think everyone sort of has to. It's obviously becoming a big issue um, these days. So uh, if we can all do little bits and um, make, a, make a small difference here and there, I think it'll go a long way. And I think energy are great uh, pushing that. And yeah, delighted to be uh, working with them over the next few years. How sick of the side of France are you? <laughs> yeah, still, still haven't gotten over it. I'm not going to lie. Um, no, it was, a, it was a very disappointing one there on the weekend. So um, it's sort of tough when you have a few days off where we're not into camp until um, tomorrow. Sometimes you just want to get the, that review over and done with and take the learning so that you can just move on. So um yeah, yeah, it's it was a tough game now, and we're all we're all bitterly disappointed. But at the same time, there's there's plenty still to play for in this competition, and 
Um, I think we'll we'll come together, have two good days now, and then it'll be all all the focus will be on Italy and trying to get the, the maximum points in that game, and then for the for the rest of the Six Nations and um, see where that leaves us at the end. What's it like when you when you have those few down days? You haven't got the training ground to get back onto. When you're left to kind of stew on it, I suppose a small bit. Do you are you obsessing about it now? Like are you thinking about if only this and if only that because it was a game of fairly fine margins. Uh, unfortunately, you probably do. Yeah, yeah. It's um, you try not to. You try switch off and um, distract yourself from it. It's nice getting getting back home, meeting um, a friend or two and distracting yourself in, in that regard. But it does linger with you a bit, I'm not going to lie. Um, it's been a um, tough couple of days, but watched the game back twice already and um, I've got a good idea of, of what's gone wrong. But um, yeah, looking forward to getting into camp tomorrow and getting feedback from the coaches and um, the other lads and uh, seeing what we, we have, to, have to improve on. Because I think that's the exciting thing, really, that... We didn't really play that well, to be honest, and we were only three points um, away from beating sort of the, the, the informed side in, in world rugby at the moment. And I don't think there's much of a tougher place to go than, than Paris these days with, with that crowd behind them and um, then with, with that confidence at the moment as well. Are you watching the game back over the last couple of days, Hugo, in like your own capacity, just almost out of curiosity to, to kind of, I guess, answer some questions that you initially had, or was that a directive from the team? No, no, it's all um, it's all down to you. Whether I, I presume most people would. Um, I think you you don't really um, get to I suppose international level without reviewing yourself pretty rigor rigorously. And um, so yeah, maybe looking at what I could have done better personally, but then also how we can improve as a team and as a backline and even as a as a unit in the back three and stuff. So. Um, you try come in uh, with a point of view for for tomorrow, and um, yeah, give a bit of feedback on, on what you're feeling and um, what you were sort of thinking in in the game and looking back at it now. That, that's really interesting because I often had it done as like a sort of clockwork orange scenario where the, co- the coaches would almost force you to, to sit back and, and watch it. But clearly, you've been proactive about this. What 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 do you gain or what do you learn in the second rewatch that you don't see in the first rewatch? It, it, like when you're in the moment at all it, it, it happens so quickly obviously you can't get that bird's eye view of things you'd be watching from wide angles you'd be watching from um, in close and um, there's there's a lot to take away with it especially from you when you lose and that's um, probably the, the one good aspect of it is that you can take so many learnings from it that you'll analyze it in even more detail that you'll go over it again you'll ask yourself all these questions of why you did that why you why you didn't do something else so um yeah it's just part of the game now and um i'm sure most of the other team um will do the same i actually met up with gary and robbie on on monday and we watched the the game back together to sort of get other lads feedback on it and um, I suppose go through a bit of pain together it, it sometimes helps are, are you critiquing each other during that conversation? <laughs> no in fairness the two lads are um, are are harsh in themselves and I think most are so um, I think people are quite good at putting their hands up when they've made a mistake or haven't seen something but it's also learning from them and what you can do better and how you can improve and what, I, what to do I suppose in the next time in, in those situations does that mean that by the time you get into the like group setting, Hugo, that you've kind of 
like made your peace with what's going on? Like, is there anything in the group setting then that's sort of typically surprising you? Or are you like, yeah, I know that one. Yeah, no, I've seen that. There, There is a bit of that. Yeah, you, you know what's going to come. But I suppose that's the beauty of having great coaches in our um, in our camp and um, that they'll see different things from um, from their perspectives and from, I suppose, a coach's, coach's eyes. And I'm sure I might have missed a few things watching it back that um, Katty or Faz will, will pick up on. So, um, no, you, you never know everything going into meetings and there'll be some things you might think will, will pop up and they'll critique and they might not and other things you might have thought you've, you've done all right and they'll be nitpicking. So it's, it's, it's a bit of a balance. What was the one thing that you watched that you thought, if I could just put that back in the can? Uh, <laughs> I think we all know that um, that, that answer on the, just that last play. Um, if I had my time back, obviously, A, probably would have ran it, but I don't think I fully committed to that kick because um, I probably knew deep down it probably wasn't the right thing to do, so I ended up putting in a poor one. Um, so, yeah, that's probably the, the, the one big regret and the one thing I've been kicking myself most, most about uh, over the last couple of days. I was going to ask if it was easy to sort of put it in the bin, but if you've been kicking yourself about it, you've probably answered that already. Is there is there any, because it's not a systems error, right? It's like, it's the sort of thing that you go, if I did that like nine times out of 10, I'm going to do that the right way. How do you, like, is there anything to learn out of that or to address out of that? Because it's not necessarily like a systems issue. It's just obviously something that went wrong in that minute. Yeah, it's just a decision making. And I suppose it's just staying calm in those pressured moments and, um, you just got to learn from these and make sure it doesn't doesn't happen again. And um, yeah, that that's really it. Yeah. Outside of the likes of us, obviously asking you about it, you mentioned your friends and family earlier on. Do they know well enough to just leave leave clear now, or is there still? Have you got to do the obligatory? Oh, look, it could have gone a different way, or how do you manage that? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, no, they've been all right to me. In fairness, I, I was probably lucky enough that my parents didn't get back from France until yesterday. They made a long weekend out of it, so uh, they weren't around too much to annoy me. But I went for a walk with the old man last night and the dog, so we we chatted small bit about it but they know not to to pester me too much about it but at the same time want to want to see how I'm feeling and always have the best intentions for me and um yeah yeah and then the friends will will give me a bit of a slag and they always uh try to keep me grounded and there's no better men to do it so um it's it's good having that though as well do you read much of their or watch or listen to much of the reaction or do you try and cause it yourself away? To be honest, no, I don't. I um, try just ignore it all, whether positive or negative. Um, you might have one one or two people sending it on to you on WhatsApp and you give them a thumbs up emoji or something. <laughs> but no, you, you just can't get into that. It'll uh, affect your mindset and just what you're thinking. And I suppose just in the long run, you're better off not doing it. So... Um, no, I'll take the opinions of the people in camp, um, the coaches, the, the players and um, the people close to me. So that, that's what really matters and try to learn off, off them and um, yeah, improve myself then. Yeah, being polite, polite and dismissive all at once is uh, is a skill <laughs> itself. Um, you've been. We haven't really had a chance to chat to you very much, Hugo, since you've come in. But it's been it's been incredible, really, um, over the last couple of years. The how quickly you've made that fullback shirt your own. 
Um, and, and like, there's been nobody really having a great conversation about sort of life post Rob Carney almost. It's just a given that you're there. Um, and, and the quality of the job, obviously, that you're doing. But was it always fallback for you or was there a bit of, um, switching around coming up through the grades? No, there's a bit of switching. Um, I started out in Black Rock as a 10 up until about fourth year in school and I was never really on any of the good teams to be honest and then a coach in fifth year moved me to full back and wing and um, I suppose that's sort of where I found my feet and finally got into that Blackrock team in, in sixth year and uh, played SCT then and then it sort of just kicked on from there and I've always stayed in the back three and I suppose did my time with the sevens where I played a bit out half there as well which sort of just feeds into the skills I suppose needed um, in the 15s game, which which was great. So there was a bit of chopping and changing, but um, now fullback would be my my favourite position. But if I'm needed to to be stuck out in the wing, I'll, I'll happily do it. How much does playing fullback get helped by the fact that you do have a bit of experience at out half? Because there's always this conversation about you know dual playmakers and you know moving someone at 10 back to 15. I guess to a point that's you've got that experience at 10, and I presume it helps your understanding of what you need to do as a 15. Yeah, definitely. I think it's uh, the game's come to the point where you can't really rely on your out half to to be making every decision, to be getting every ball going through his hands. And I think that's something we've been working on in Leinster in Ireland in terms of the outside backs, centres, back three, I suppose, getting our hands on the ball and um, being able to slot in first receiver when needs be. So... I think it definitely did help that that um, experience playing there in the sevens. I know it's obviously a different game, but um, and then also in training, that you're always encouraged just to to slot in wherever's wherever's seen fit. And um, yeah, I think it's something that I've been trying to improve on, and I still still need a good bit of work to catch up on the likes of Joey and Sexto and Jack. Because um, yeah, they're they're just a different level at, at that first receiver playmaking at, at the moment, aren't they? What's the bit of fullback that you enjoy most, Hugo? It's such a varied position, isn't it? What's the bit that you're like that gets the juices going the most? I suppose there's there's a bit of freedom when um, I enjoy when there's any turnover ball. You're you you can see the whole picture coming from the backfield. You're sprinting onto it, and it's a bit of. Um, bit of excitement because you can see the space whether it's in the backfield whether it's out wide whether it's in and around the rook so and that and then I suppose I I like the aerial side of the game it's um, all all those competes I think it's gone such an important aspect of the game at the moment Um, I think South Africa have sort of dominated and brought that sort of game plan onto onto teams and, and some have followed sort of that um, contestable kicks and I suppose that's your bread and butter as a fullback and something I enjoy and um, was lucky enough to see Rob Kearney dominate those airs and learn off him for, for years and hopefully um, try to do the same there. Yeah, you were 10 I think when he came into, if my maths are correct, when he made his Ireland debut which is uh, which is incredible. Was he a guy that you were looking at like you mentioned about your career through the grades of uh, Black Rock, was he a player that you were looking at, is he somebody that you would have tried to emulate or were there others? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, like there was always him. He, he's had such a successful career, um, like probably the most successful in Irish rugby. So you're always striving to emulate that and um, such a good player in his heyday. There's also Ben Smith from New Zealand, who I also just loved watching that sort of versatility. 
um, sort of free flowing uh, rugby player. Um, so he was always someone I admired and tried to I suppose base my game around as well. Was the pace, the raw pace, always there, Hugo? Was that essentially why you get moved back to fullback in the school days? Um, I suppose there's a bit in my family. My older brother uh, would have been a bit of a sprinter. Um, so I think he still holds the Blackrock College record for 100 metres. Um, he probably still claims he's he's faster than me, even though he's an accountant <laughs> working uh, 9 to 5. <laughs> but uh, so I suppose there's... Um, there, there was a bit of a natural, I suppose, sprint ability, yeah. But I think that came sort of later in my days and in school. Um, but I still, still think I've got a bit of catching up to do uh, with the likes of Rob Balakun and stuff in camp. Yeah, your brother would say that accountants can be speedy as well. I mean, that's just to, to tear them all at the one brush. <laughs> Is there a point where you uh, start working on that? Because obviously you need to have the, the raw ingredient of being naturally fast uh, to be a, a great runner on the pitch. But is there a technique that you add on? Is there a specific bit of training that you do to, to add the icing on the cake? There's, I think we're lucky enough to have like such good S&C staff and... Um, whatnot in in the provinces in both in Leinster and in Ireland like they're all um, highly qualified in like plyometrics and um, we've Jason Kaoman in Ireland and Joe McGinley but then even Nick Winkleman's done a bit of work with with the sevens team and 15s on natural actually sprinting mechanics so um, I think sevens helped me in that regard sort of opening up um, and and I suppose using your speed to, to the best of the ability. Um, so I suppose it's been a gradual process knowing, um, yeah, yeah. When the mechanics of sprinting are brought into that seven setup, are there are a lot of lads who are like, oh God, I've been running incorrectly for quite some time and I'm not getting the most out of myself. Um, there is, but like, I don't think you're going to change someone's natural running style like overnight or even over a year to be honest like it's very hard to um change things you've been doing since you've been four or five or whenever you've been able to run so it's a it's a long process um so it's it's probably little small cues on how to become a bit more explosive how to get a bit tidier on your mechanics um which you can work on and hopefully add that little extras but i don't think you'll be seeing anyone change their running style dramatically. My arms will still be flailing all over the place. <laughs> you do have a, a unique style, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't mean that in a pejorative sense, by the way. That's not No, a, no, I get, <laughs> get a bit of slagging for it, so I'm, I'm well used to it. <laughs> is that, that's just been your style since you were a kid? And that's... Yeah, the, it is what it is, I suppose. It's probably not the most technically efficient way of doing it, but... Um, as I was saying, it's it's hard to change something you've been doing for years and years. Did you play? You played. You played a bit of football when you were younger. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So it was soccer. So that was always sort of my first love. Uh, played up until I was about seventeen. Always with my Marion. So um, a lot of my mates from school are all big soccer heads. They're all still playing for the local football team. Um, and yeah, yeah, still, still love it. Still a Chelsea fan. So. Um, <laughs> Bit, bit tough to watch at the moment, but um, yeah, yeah, love it. Was that ever an option for you, or was it was it just something to do to? No, I, I was never going to kick on to that next level, and then sort of being in a school like Black Rock, rugby is always the main sport, and 
Um, sort of when I started pushing on with rugby um, in fifth and sixth year, I sort of put put the soccer to a side and wanted to focus on that because I suppose grow up watching these Leinster teams be successful, these Irish teams, and you just want to, um, I suppose, give a shot at that. Yeah. Were you? Uh, what position were you? I was a centre mid, but. Right. To my reluctance, as I got a bit older, I was moved back and back into centre <laughs> back, and that's where I sort of finished out my career. Uh, like a reverse Paul McGrath situation. Exactly. Uh, um, do you get over to Chelsea at all? Um, I've only been away one to one away game. I've done a stadium tour recently. There's a few sporters in um, in Leinster in Ireland. Um, Luke McGrath, James Ryan claims to be a Leinster supporter even though he knows nothing and one of the physios so uh, we said we'd try to get over for a game but there's always always a clash with rugby unfortunately just with the seasons um, aligning but yeah it's on the on the to-do list Yourself Luke and and James Ryan would be of the perfect age I assume to have just hopped on the Chelsea bandwagon once Abramovich took over that's what happened here right? <laughs> Uh, I'll I'll give you that much for James, but in parents, right. Lukey, I think might have been influenced by our parents. Um, my old man and younger brother is a, a Chelsea man, so I right. uh, I'd like to think I'm not a bandwagoner, even though <laughs> two good times recently. Are you? Uh, if if you were to have gone down that route, would you have been? Who would Hugo Keenan, the uh, the soccer player, have responded better to? Would it have been like a Jose or an Ancelotti or a Tuchel? <laughs> <laughs> I was always a big Jose fan in well just the entertainment he gives you doesn't he yeah. uh, he's some character um, I'm sure working with him might be a bit bit trickier than that um, <laughs> who's closer to Jose Leo Cullen or Andy Farrell jeez <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't want to be getting myself in trouble so let her not uh, answer that that's where you need to be dismissive and polite you know, yeah <laughs> Uh, we'll look at, uh, thanks Billy for chatting to us over the last uh, 20 minutes or so. Your uh, career has really uh, been an unbelievable uh, thing to watch over the last couple of years. I'm sure there's plenty more to come as well. Uh, it's Hugo Keenan, uh, along with Stacey Flood, unveiled as Energy as new rugby ambassadors, uh, representing their multiple rugby partnerships from grassroots right through to the international stage. Uh, this season, Energy helping fans uh, play their part in becoming more sustainable and environmentally conscious through its Ireland's Greenest Fan campaign. Hugo, thanks a million. Cheers, Adrian Owen. Thanks a million. Thanks for having me. Chris Watt. Oh, you're kidding me. September. Kyle Lafferty. Are you joking me? Is that right? I know. Is that right? Uh, Anybody else? Like, that is one of the most stupid questions. (laughs) Darius Vassell? Seriously, you all need to just stay quiet. This is getting really annoying doing this quiz. What is going on here? (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome along to the shoutiest segment on Irish radio. It's the scintillating, it's the stupefying, it's the splendido crappy quiz. Every Friday we pit three of team off the ball up against each other in a no-holds-barred quiz of sporting factoids at the end of the week. Allow me to welcome today's contestants. Our first contestant has a broad base for all his cultural references brought to you every morning on OTBAM. Sometimes he dips into the Big Lebowski. Other times he quotes a famous movie character called The Dude. And other times he drops his favourite movie quote, New Information Came to Light. He's unpredictable, he's eclectic, he's Jer Gilroy. Oh, you're so jealous, Owen. Do you know what The Big Lebowski is? No, what is that? What was it this week that really tipped you over the, the edge? Donnie Darko. Donnie Darko. You hadn't a clue what it was. I, of course I know what Donnie Darko is. I mean, it's a song. You said, you said it was a song. Well, it was famous for that song. It was it? famous for that song and, and Rabbit. 
Okay. Yeah, look, I mean... I haven't seen Danny Darko, though. But I know that there's a rabbit in it. I wonder, is it worth watching? I'm not sure. That is, yeah. Uh, just so you can... A lot of people hated it. It was definitely a bit Marmite. It's mm. well worth pointing out as well. There's not a rabbit in Donnie Darko. There's a man in a rabbit costume. Fair in enough. Donnie Darko. Uh, uh, an excellent point. Well, <laughs> that's that's. I, I would, I would recommend on if you do go to watch it, go watch the original one and not the director's cut, which is really really awful. Okay, interesting. But um, it's it's well worth a watch at least once. That level of pedantry is getting us all in that Friday feeling that uh, we so love here on the Crappy Quiz. Our next contestant <laughs> today couldn't finish his half caramel, half hazelnut latte last Sunday. Such was his disgust with Kilmacud's late concession of a goal in the All Ireland final. He's also resigned as head coach and director of football for the club's under sixes until such time that he deems the club to be worthy of his services. Give it up for Adrian, who's your daddy, Barry. There's a lot of issues to take with that on, including I'm allergic to hazelnuts, so that definitely wouldn't be. Uh, wouldn't be a fact for me. And a lot of people catching up. That's why you couldn't finish it. A lot of people coming up to me during the week. Uh, woman in Tesco, the taxi driver, a man on the bus, people in the street saying that last week was a shambles. So just a bit of feedback for you there before the we under six out. training session, as opposed to the club all football oh, final, yeah, where they went within a second of winning it. Oh, yeah. it was unbelievable! What a day! Uh, but anyway, just more of a reflection on last week's quiz. Jar, to be honest with you, it was. Uh, I mean, that, we all know that the, the members of Kilmacud Croaks are lawyers, dentists and doctors, not butchers, bakers and candlestick makers, the way you've uh, put them out there on. Last and inaccurate generalisation. Uh, poshest outsiders is, is essentially what you are. And breakfast radio show presenters as well, the, the poshest of the posh for uh, Kilmacud Croaks. Part, part-time, part-time, you know. True. Swan's in, does two and a half hours work a week and he's like Marion Finucane. Mm. Exactly. Uh, our last contestant today often wonders what life would be like not being from the Midlands. Would life be more fun having epic coastal views on my doorstep, he often asks himself, before concluding that no, Barack Obama Plaza and Port Leash Plaza are on my doorstep. Give it up for Will Walk and Roll O'Callaghan. Morning, lads. I'm not 100% sure. I was kind of half laughing at the storm earlier when I got up and thought I've woken up to an incredibly dry driveway when I woke up, no wind whatsoever. And in the last 15, 20 minutes, the storm has incredibly picked up and... I'm now mildly worried the window's about to come in. Was like, right. Did you see that video of the, the German ferry? Yeah. It kind of feels a bit like that outside at the moment, so oh hopefully gosh. it holds up for the next 20 minutes or so. But yeah, it's, it's seriously hit her in the last few minutes. Look, look, look that up after you're finished with this Hamburg ferry. It's absolutely insane. Terrifying. Um, subtle flex from Will there, referring to his driveway. You know, us, us city slickers, none of us have yeah. like driveways. No. Barely room to park. swing a cat, let alone park a car. Is it a big driveway, Will? Um... Yeah, it's, it's all right, yeah. I mean, you, know, you get space. <laughs> pretty big, pretty big. You get space down here in the country. You don't have to uh, pay €2,000 uh, for, you know, a kitchenette that also contains your shower, as it is in Dublin at the moment. It's convenient, everything in one place. Oh, wow. As ever, mm. the format is a classic crappy quiz with a series of questions on a, th- a series of themes. Uh, then it's on to the slip and slide of trivia, which is the rapid fire round. You can podcast the crappy quiz on otbsports.com or on the OTB Sports app. And if you're watching on YouTube, make sure to click the thumbs up. You can send any questions you have via postcard to crappy quiz quiz master off the ball towers, Marconi House, Diggs Lane, Dublin 2. And a couple of shout outs before we begin. First of all, David Myers has been in our YouTube comments to say Minnesota loves the crappy quiz. Winters are long here. Even crap entertainment is welcome. Oh, yeah. Uh, John and Donegal has been back in touch on Twitter by the way to say for goodness sake leave that tripe in the bin where it belongs it takes from all the fantastic work OTB does during the week I don't listen on Fridays anymore in case I might be subjected to it well done on all the other fabulous stuff by the way (laughs) and last but certainly not least we need to mention Seamus Walsh the greatest genius that has ever been associated with the crappy quiz albeit the only genius that has ever been associated with the crappy quiz Seamus has created an online portal 
which will archive all of the crappy quiz scores. We can bring you some of this now. You can go over, over to crappyquizchamps.com to have a look for yourself. The Crappy Quiz is a weekly sports show every Friday on OTB Sports. Uh, hacks fight over ass nine things is his description. Hashtag Team Phil. Hey, this is going so well until the hashtag. He's got a collection of scores up. Uh, the longest streak is Phil Egan's six-win streak. Some time ago, champ, 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 champ. And Nathan Murphy has been on a four-game streak. And then he updates it for every year as well. So you can go through the archive. What? And currently in 2022, the number one champ is Will Wackenroll O'Callaghan. How do you feel about that, Will? It's great. I'm telling you, this portal is fantastic. I whiled away about an hour on this yesterday because I went back to see how far back they'd actually gone. And there are there links to the YouTube. Basically, we started putting the crappy quiz up on YouTube, I think, late 2017, early 2018. And the person who's compiled this has put the effort to put a link That's to right. every single episode wow. of the crappy quiz there as well. Now, this is an incredible resource. I was kind of half joking on Twitter about this, that you know, the GA can't even keep track of the top scorers within their championship. They need to employ this guy to go back through history and actually make a site. That's a great idea. We, we, can, we can be his uh, number one referee on his TV. What's his name again? This, this guy proper? At S.E. Walsh is how you follow him on Twitter. Seamus is his name. So uh, Seamus Walsh, I presume, is your full name. Thanks a million for all that. Uh, a serious amount of work has gone into it. More work that's ever gone into the actual quiz itself. <laughs> round one is the boring questions round. It is never multiple choice. Jerry, you're first up. Who was the youngest Super Bowl winning head coach until Sean McVay last weekend? Who was the youngest? Um, there was only two previous ones in their 30s. It was Sean Payton and or somebody else older than that who um, as in before that whose name I can't remember. I'm going to have to go Sean Payton. It's Mike Tomlin. The other one in their 30s, I think, was John Gruden, actually. All oh, right. Was Peyton that young when he... Not sure. He might have been young, but he might have been early 40s, I think I saw that. But anyway, Mike Tomlin was definitely the, the youngest before Sean McVay. Adrian, who was top point scorer for France in the last Six Nations campaign that saw them crowned champions? Oof. Bam, 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 ba bum Oh. I've been through a string about halves before Entomac. I'm going to go with um, Uge. No, it's not Uge. It's Morgan Parra. Parra. Uh, 2010 was the last time they won the Six Nations. He kicked their points that year. Uh, Will, outside of Munster, Leinster and Galway, only one other team has ever won the All-Ireland in Hurling. Which team is it? Um... This is testing your credentials as the host of the yeah. new Small Ball Show. Hmm. Are you uh, calling it the Small Ball Show? Is that the... No, I think, I think we'll call it the Hurling Pod in a very unoriginal move. Can I go for London on this one, Owen? You can and you be correct. Well, O'Callaghan proves his credentials. Well done. Round two is the Name That League of Ireland club. Could say that took big balls to give that answer. It as certainly small did. Balls. Uh, so congratulations on that. A football answer from a hurling man. In this round, round two, I'm going to give you the name of a footballer that has played at a high level overseas as well as playing with the League of Ireland club. All you got to do is name the Irish club. In some of these cases, a player may have played for more than one League of Ireland club, in which case he'll accept any club that he played for. Jer, uh, your player is Kevin Moran. Pegasus. No. UCD. Pegasus and UCD are the teams he played for. 
Uh, well, he, no, played, he, he went from Pegasus well, to Man United. Pegasus is actually true or not? Pegasus is hundred percent correct. League of Ireland, though. No, I think uh, I think you'll have to go with whatever is on your sheet there, Owen. Le- League of Ireland. There are t- he played for two League of Ireland clubs. Yeah, no, I think you're right, Owen. I think you have to stick to your guns there. I mean, he did say UCD right after, which is no, correct. no, no. You got to take, but you got to take the first. You can, but I so okay. That, no, that's fine. So I get to say two clubs as well. Is that? No, fair point, Dave Jr. No, 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 you can't. You've just been talked down from what your decision was. You can't do that. You either get... So hang on a second, you're saying now you can be got at. No, but you're saying... You're saying Razzy Rasmus here has changed the rules and you're that... Whatever the guy was the second time around... He didn't change the rules. 600 minutes game. He didn't change the rules. He reminded me of the rules. Exactly. This is it now. This is a line in the sun. It was correct. Pegasus is the team. It, it's not the correct I, answer I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have accepted uh, Pegasus or Rangers AFC I would have accepted Bohemians or UCD he went from Pegasus yeah to Man United no but the, 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 the League of Ireland exactly. teams were that, Bohemians that, that key, that's UCD. a key part of the question you had a cock you had a cock you had a cock <laughs> Adrian Bobby Charlton who did he play for what League of Ireland team did he play for yeah that's the question as we have established <laughs> that is the question which League of Ireland team um That was a UK office reference. Did you get that? Do you know what the UK office is? Part of it. It's yeah. actually it's actually just called the office. Uh, the UK uh, office you, is kind of a retrospective. You guys all call it. it the UK office because you're too thick to remember that there was an original office. And it's like, oh no, there's only one office. I'm gonna say there's some sort of a John Giles link here, and it's probably the wrong thing to do to go with the obvious answer, Shamrock Rovers. Uh, no, it's not. It's Waterford. It's Waterford, indeed. We all know this one. Well, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. You still have time to fix this. Well, before you said no, I said UCD. Waterford. He's already said no. Oh, I thought that was the way it works. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Well, who did uh, Shane Long Shane Long play for in the League of Ireland? Uh, Cork City. Sorry, 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 <laughs> sorry. Like, I mean, I came in today oh. with the express intention of not having round three. Effing rant. Round three but Jesus is, Christ! That's why he's the champ. The that's why he's the champ in 2022. That's why he's, uh, that's why he's leading, leading the leaderboard, you know? <sighs> I'm not convinced either of you would have got Cork City. Ah, uh, stop. You're joking. I'm not oh, convinced either is, of you would have got That is absolutely it's, it's outrageous. Like pretty famous. It's outrageous. It's a famous club. So was Bobby Charlton playing for Waterford and Kevin Moran playing for Bohemians and UCD. Not no, as recent he, as he, Shane he Long. He was a sign from Pegasus. That's what he was associated with. <sighs> he played Gaelic football. Yeah, he did. Like, go on, go yeah. on, go on. You're, Nonsense. You're, you're running us through nice information there. Round three is the Pass the Parcel of Doom round. And this round, all you've got to do is give me a name that's on a list of names and Parcel of Doom keeps passing until you can't give me a name. What club did Gavin Bazunu play for? And then the last one who is standing. That's basically the same point. question. It is, exactly. That woman in Tesco who was outraged about last week's quiz is not going to be happy. And finally, I believe she exists. There are no Tescos around Kilmacott. <laughs> oh, they're directly across the road from the club owner if you South need geography. And, uh, and Correct, Devoness. Jer. Uh, shout out to Mark Dunning, by the way, who came in with the following question. Uh, can you name an England player who has missed a penalty in a shootout at a major tournament? Mark also added, I've noticed Adrian Barry is a small bit pedantic about these things. So no, the Nations League is not a major tournament and a keeper's save is counted as a miss. Rashford. Rashford is correct. It goes to Adrian next. Uh, Pierce. Pierce, yeah. He's got a, he's got a, I'm writing, I'm writing. No, like, I'm sorry. It's, it's an unacceptable behaviour. He's, he's got stuff on the screen. 
Will? Garrett Southgate. Garrett Southgate is correct. Sacco. Sacco. No, first answer, it's come on. I'll accept, Saka. I'll accept Saka. You're being, you're being Saka. kowtowed now because this is come what on, happens. Right? You're, you're he creates such a fuss with the referee in the last question. No. That, come on. That, they were, they're pretty much all the answers that it, I would have had. Um, how did you accept that? Tommy Rooney, it was just the producer of the show, is trying to overrule the quiz. How, how do you know? How do you know what Tommy Rooney said? WhatsApping. I see you're on your phone checking answers. Oh, I'm going to Harry Maguire. No, not Harry Maguire. Uh, Will? So, hold on. Does this have to be in a penalty shootout, Owen, or is it a penalty yeah. missed at just a major tournament? At a shootout? Penalty in a shootout. shootout. Okay. He's already said Rashford. Raheem Sterling? No, not correct. Oh, I did miss one. Does Jer have to give a right answer? No, I don't have no, to Jer gets a point yeah. because he starts different. But who do you have gone for? <laughs> I, I don't know. I have nothing more to I was, say. I was pretty close <laughs> to the end there. Nobody said. Um, he, I mean, that point should be Will's. When you say, uh, what's that? Um, uh, if anybody, if ever anybody is in doubt that you're an idiot, don't open your mouth and <laughs> remove the doubt. So I'm, I'm saying nothing. Exactly. So the, the ones you didn't get were Waddle, uh, Paul Ince, David Batty, David Beckham, Darius Vassell. David Beckham, funny enough. Frank Lampard, Stephen Gerrard. Jimmy Carragher, Ashley Young, Ashley Cole, Jordan Henderson, and Jaden Sancho were the answers. I would have, be- I would have guessed Beckham at a push. That's yeah. my. That. Adrian, you're leading us off on this one. Can you name a team outside of England, Spain, Italy, and Germany that have made the knockout stages of the Champions League since and including the 2011-2012 season? Sorry, start again. England, Spain, Italy, and Germany. Yeah, I can't say those. Can't say those. Name a team who's made the knockout stages of what tournament? The Champions League. Oh, Champions League. Uh, PSG since when since 2011-2012 and it includes that season correct Will um, Salzburg Salzburg is correct Ger uh, Monaco Monaco yeah uh, Ajax Ajax is correct Will Porto Porto is also correct no balls uh, England Spain Italy Germany leaves me with Another Dutch team. I'm not going to go there. Uh, uh, Lons. No. Bollocks. Lons. Have they even been in the group stage of the Champions League in the last 10 years? Sure. Oh, yeah. uh, Eindhoven. Correct, I'll accept that. PSV. Will. Uh, okay. Galatasaray? Yeah, correct. Adrian uh, I need to push you for an answer here we're really really tight in time Trabzon score Trabzon no that's not correct <laughs> uh, so Will O'Callaghan gets the point let's run you through all the rest of them um, Apoel Basel Benfica Besiktas Celtic Celtic oh, Dinamo Kiev Ghent Lille Lyon Marseille, Olympiacos. Lille and Lyon were who I was trying to think of. Is it Lons? thought so, yeah. What the Shakhtar hell? Donetsk, Sporting in this year's competition, and Zenit St. Petersburg were the other options that you Zenit didn't get. Which is annoying. Well, the last 16 is kind of a fake knockout round, though. It's kind of a. Kind of thing ever happened. Will, can you name. finalists would have been a better question there. Yeah, maybe it would have. Uh, Will, can, we'll do that next week. Can you name a college that has played in a final of the Sigurdsson Cup? Ah, come on. 
You literally suggested this the other day. Oh, well, you're not supposed to this do it. This literally was on the show, yeah. yeah. Not supposed to do it. Um, bluff. Mind games. Any, anyway, Galway. It's correct. <laughs> if I say Nike, do I get a, am I allowed that day? Are you going to grandfather that in? Because they, they qualified. I'm going to go UCD. UCD is correct. Safe option, Adrian. DCU. DCU, yeah. Will. UL. UL is correct. Queens. Queens is correct as well. UCC. UCC, yeah. The University of Ulster, I guess they're called Jordanstown, but University yeah. of Ulster. Yeah. Sure. Uh, let me see what's gone here. Uh, see, NUIG you're saying is UCG. I'm going to go uh, Nike, which is UL. UL has been said. No, he said University of no. Limerick, yeah, yeah, you're gone. Well, no, it's Nahi. Then Nahi qualified. Oh, no, it's UL. Legacy, no, no. then. No, no, no. UL. no, no. Literally <laughs> won the competition. You're done. You're gone. You're finished. They won the competition. Take a fork in you for this round. You're no, done. You're, you're a wanker. <laughs> that is unacceptable. Adrian. Um, that is unacceptable. IT Tralee. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, it's now called MTU it. Kerry. It's called TIT. <laughs> <laughs> Used to be. They were DIT. DIT. DIT is correct. You know, Nye is called Nye in this part of the world. That's terrible. <laughs> Adrian? Um, I'll go with Letter Kenny IT. No, you're gone. You're oh, done. Will O'Callaghan gets another point. He's racing away. The ones you didn't get were Garda College, Maynooth University, MTU Cork or CIT, Sligo IT, St. Mary's. And Trinity College Dublin. No They've way. They've all no. made the final of the Sigerson Cup. Sure. Trin- no way. Come on now. Yeah. I don't believe that. I actually don't believe that. Shouldn't we see GA being played normal people? That was the the real sign. Yeah, Tree gave it up when he went to Trinity. Yeah, well, that's a good point. That's why they didn't win that final. They're not allowed to play. They weren't certainly allowed to play GA and College Park. It was a rugby pitch. Yeah, I can, I can imagine. Uh, round four is the fun free magic number round contestants get three points for getting the number exactly right if no one manages that the nearest contestant who doesn't go bust gets two points the second closest gets one point I'm going to say that we can only accept the answer that's written on your paper and I'm also going to ask for your pens once the music ends so if you don't mind give us the following number the number of Tyrone players sent off against Armagh two weeks ago plus the number of times Tiger Roll has won the Grand National plus the number of Premier League hat-tricks scored by Raheem Sterling in his career Plus the number of tries Ireland have scored in this year's Six Nations so far. Your 30 seconds expire when Sinatra sings Bright Shiny Beats. So, how many players did Tyrone have sent off against our man, the National League, two weeks ago? How many times has Tiger Roll won the Grand National? How many times has Raheem Sterling scored a hat-trick in the Premier League? And how many times have Ireland scored a try in the 2022 Six Nations? The, um, the Grand National is a horse race, Adrian. Bubbles, bangles, bright, shiny. He's not laughing at that. No, he's not. Will? It's too serious. Um, I've no idea about the Raheem Sterling one, but I've gone 15 as my total. 15. Okay, I've got 16. 16, Adrian? 21. 21. Jared gets two points, Will gets one point. Adrian gets nothing because he went bust. So, let me just right add those scores up. The answer was 18. And so again, I was closest, and I get shafted here. I see the. Sorry, sorry. What was the, the answer? Was eighteen, and I said sixteen, and he said twenty-one. Well, who was closest? <laughs> the number of throne players sent off against Armagh two weeks ago was four. Tiger Roll has won the Grand National twice. twice. Both of those correct. Raheem Sterling scored five hat tricks in his career. For that. 
and Ireland have uh, scored seven tries so far in the Six Nations. Where did you go wrong, Adrian? I said nine tries. That's a shame, isn't it? Jerry distracted me with his nonsense. Too too much latte drinking or too much cheese and wine? Too much hazelnut. Down to your head. Our winner tonight will be decided in the round that separates the men from the boys, the giants from the sleeping giants. It's a no theme of particular ridiculously easy rapid fire round. The score you get in this round will be added to your score in the previous round and there will be 40 seconds for everyone to answer from the same set of questions. It is Will 5, Jer 3, Adrian 0. So we'll start with Will, then on to Jer, and then on to Adrian. If you get a question correct, I'll keep asking you questions until you get one wrong. And then I move on to the next person and your correct Can answer. Can I just suggest that for crack, we actually make the loser go first? So there's at least some jeopardy here. Okay, will we do Adrian first, then Will, and then Jer? Is that okay, Will? From next week on. Yeah, okay, go on. From next week on. Will's, Will's accepting the terms here. <laughs> All right, I'm just saying. You okay. sure about that, Will? I mean, I, I bring it on, clearly, but... I don't mind. Let, let Adrian go first if he wants, but... Uh, you've got a, you've got a five-point lead on him, and we, we will go... Obviously, the first two questions are it's the It's reverse order, obviously. We will... No, but we'll go to, we'll go to Will a second, in fairness. <laughs> 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 oh! <laughs> well, that makes no sense. In, in classic time on tradition, that makes no sense whatsoever. No, he's... Well, he's done a solid... Like, You're going to go from the least amount of points to the most amount of points to the middle amount of points yeah because it would be an extraordinary comeback if you came back and it's where it's quite close to Will and like I mean it'd be pretty dramatic but it wouldn't be that dramatic <laughs> was that your dog what was it? Hope not. We got to make a decision on this. Um, uh, if the football kickoff's actually going to start in time. Here. Order is a- a- Adrian Will Jarrell. Sure. Okay, your forty seconds starts now. What nationality is Anthony Alanga? English. No, Swedish. Who's the current Rangers manager? Will <laughs> it's Giovanni Van Bronck. Correct. What Australian club did Matt Hansen play for before joining Connacht? Canberra. No, Brumbies. Uh, in what country do Bodo Glimt play their domestic football? Norway. Correct. Who trails Real Madrid in second place in La Liga? Atletico or Sevilla? Sevilla. Correct. Dave Heffernan plays for what province? Connacht. Correct. Louise Quinn plays oh. for what club? Brighton. No, Brighton. Brighton. What? Yes. <laughs> Did Matt Stafford play for before Los Angeles Rams, Adrian? The Lakers. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sebastian Haller plays for what club, Will? Ajax. Correct. Who lost last year's All Ireland Women's Football Final? Dublin. Correct. I mean, come on. So Will ends up on seven and Adrian ends up on minus two, Jer ends up on five. And that means Will is dead. He answered the dubs after the buzzer though. He had like loads of time. But if he gets that that point wrong, he goes back to five. I should also say that And he went second! The question about Mac Hansen was who did he sign for Connacht from? It was Brumbies. He did play for the Canberra Vikings earlier in his career, so I could appreciate how Will could have been a little bit But you could not have given him the answer. No, but the question is Will. But he should have been deducted a point for after answering after the buzzer. You said Sacco instead of Sacco. You gave him seven, he would have been back to five, so it's a it's, a, it's actually it's actually a shootout Will relinquished pole position he also kind of got a little bit screwed over in the Mac Hansen uh, question he, he is a true 2022 <laughs> champion oh Will O'Callaghan congratulations oh my god, oh my god. You, you didn't give me UCD earlier that would have actually made it level Nighy and Nighy update the portal please Seamus <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, thank you very much for being with us. Thank you to... Quiz uh, ever. Yeah, congratulations, Will. Um, we That is the end of uh, this week's crappy quiz. Um, yeah, <laughs> what are we doing now? <laughs> we, will, we will see you. Oh, sorry, we were just bringing you some uh, quick breaking news this morning. Uh, Dean Smith has confirmed that uh, Adam Ida is out for the season. 
so the knee injury that was initially ruled as a knock is worse than first feared so uh, desperately bad news for, for Adam Ealer really unlucky on that front uh, we'll have more on that throughout today the football kickoff. Uh, as I say with Sky is live here at half past ten OTBAM has been brought to you by Gillette good morning start with Gillette put your best face forward with the new and improved Razors as I say football kickoff at half ten with Sky OTB is live tonight from seven o'clock and then from half past ten tonight make sure to follow us on Twitter for late night LOI it's going to be on Twitter spaces Nathan and the company of a couple of other people OTB is live on, <laughs> on, on Saturday from 1 o'clock I love that you read that so and we will uh, see you on Monday morning from half past 7 OTB AM with Gillette put your best face forward with our new and improved razors